You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Boys and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Steady Miguel. It's your favorite Uncle Silk. It's Dan. And it's Masters Week Delatory. Hello, mm. friends. Howdy, right. partner. <laughs> that, is, that, is that Vern up in the yeah. tower on 16? Yeah. There goes Nick. He's tapping in for his quadruple bogey on one. Mm, that's a great way to you start. Got time, you got time to call the Masters, bro? You got downtime now? <laughs> I, you create downtime for the Masters. Like mm. this, this whole week, I, I watched practice rounds today. I watched practice rounds Tuesday. Um, got my flag up there. Can't believe I used the right finger to point to that. Got my hat mm-hmm. on. I uh, got another flag sitting there on the couch that needs to be hung up. It's been there. It's been part of the background for a month now. Nick is uh, is flexing because he got to go to the Masters what three years ago. In 2019, was there for a practice round. Uh, just saying, I don't know if Tiger knows that I was there, but the last time he won, I was there. Maybe he should probably told him about you, bro. They probably just did. Get, um, just to warn him, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, Billy Horschel gave me his phone number uh, when I podcast with him a while back, and I keep oh, trying nice. to tell him that I can I can write his his biography, his autobiography, but I, I would probably need to go to the Masters with him and document at least uh, a, a full well, week. wouldn't he need to write his own autobiography? Isn't that how autobiography? Yeah, but you have work? a you have a you have a, a ghostwriter. Ghost yeah, I got you. Yeah, we're trying to get Billy Ho on the show. We've been we've been chatting with his people. It's just a matter of timing. Uh, maybe after he wins the Masters this week at his uh, ten thousand one odds. But so, mm. how was your weekend, buddy? Beautiful, man. Uh, hung out quite a bit. You did. <laughs> just hung out quite a bit, man. I had a good time. I uh, went to go check out currency. Twice. The plan was to see him once, but uh, checked him out Friday in Orlando. Um, I had him come into, oh, not with him, his team came into the Kush house. Um, young Roddy, a rapper of his, uh, did, did a small after-party event at the Kush house. So we hung out a little bit. I got an invitation to come hang out down in Fort Lauderdale with him and his people. So I went down there with the, the wife and, and, and a couple other friends and hung out, man. But a great show. If you haven't seen Currency with a live band, it's a treat. Um, that was my weekend. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna tell I'm not gonna lie. I, it was uh I was patiently waiting for all of your your uh, Instagram um stories to, to pop up about that. It looked like a lot of fun. Um I'm not sure if you guys know this big currency fan. Um, you know, to sprinkle that in there between Crawford and Power and Eric Church, but really like me some currency. So oh, man, that's a really cool guy, experience. Man. Yeah, real dope, man. I, I had my, my stories would have been flowing a little faster, but I like some some moments you gotta just unplug and just take in the moment. That was just like an evening. Most of my stuff got posted mm-hmm. uh today and yesterday. Uh I just wanted to just enjoy the vibes, man. Well, I had a good weekend, man. How about yourself? Had a good weekend. My parents were in town. Um, the weather in Tampa wasn't wasn't ideal. Uh, we had a we had a cold front ish come through. Had a lot of rain this weekend, but got to take them to a lightning game uh, mm-hmm. Friday, Saturday. Uh, was over in St. Pete yesterday. Took the boat out. It's a little chilly uh, and a little windy uh, for an ideal boating experience. But ultimately, I had a great time. It's great to see uh, my parents. <clears throat> Haven't seen them in a couple months now. My dad's going through a few health issues, so um, prayers to him. Um, prayers to the pops, was, man. 
it was thank you thank you it was it was great to uh to see them and and shout out to my dad i think he's the uh the number one pimp of this podcast all of his uh florida gator friends and people that he meets and he's even thinking about creating business cards for us to, to be able to pass out about the podcast so oh um, dope. always love and prayers to uh to, to my family but it's great seeing them um nick what about you brother yeah, uh, uh, a wedding uh, up in Lake City. Uh, congratulations to Andrew and Jenny. Um, and I professional have wedding gore. I have another wedding that I'm in uh, this coming Saturday. Mm. Uh, so congratulations uh, in order for Donnie and Misty. One day it's going to be your own, Nick. You got a lot of practice, it, uh, buddy. Yeah, might just elope. Uh, <laughs> might be the move. It uh it it it'll be my third wedding in six weeks. Hmm. Um, the I, got, I got another wedding in the fall out mm. in Aspen. That's one I'm looking forward Ooh. to. Uh, a fall it's where wedding. Where the beer flows like wine, Nick. Mm. Yeah. If you go into these these weddings, you got to get married some first of all. Uh, real quick, Dan, how many how many weddings have you been in? I'm trying to like trying to see how how many have I been are. in? I, I think yeah. I've been in in probably about twelve. Holy Great friends. Yeah, I've been in been in about What's twelve. Um, there was a time that I counted actually a few months ago because uh, we were having a discussion about. It. There was a, a time span from about 2016 to 2018 that I went to 39 weddings in like control. two and a half years. Uh, absolutely out of control. Most of them are still um, together, um, but uh, oh, sure. that's where my money, all of my money went for about two and a half years. Nuts. <laughs> it uh, this so. This will be the fifth wedding I'm in. Sixth, if you include uh, being the ring bearer to a cousin's wedding uh, when I was mm. like five, six years old. No, we won't allow that one. That's not due to friendship. That was, that was just. Yeah, was they didn't a, know your personality I, yet. I was just a cute kid. <laughs> a cute yeah. kid to put into a tux mm. and have walked down with, you know, you were just with a pillow of holding rings. Yeah. You, I was just an Asian. Oh, just an age-appropriate kid. Just yeah, age-appropriate, yeah, yeah. that's all. Because <laughs> they got to be old enough to be, like, responsible, but still young enough to be cute and say, oh. I don't right. think I was responsible. I don't think the rings were even, like, on the pillow. Like, I was just, like, the ring bearer. I was, just, like, bringing a, a pillow up that. You was a prop, yeah. too, as well. Huh? I was a prop. Yeah, I was a wedding <laughs> Some prop. ring pops around there. I was a free wedding prop. <laughs> I love that. So, how many weddings have you been in? Uh, I think six, man. I'm pretty sure six. My friends don't get married, bro. These boys are just wild, man. So I'm stuck at about six. I think mine are like mostly cousins. Uh, friends, I'm trying to have many friends I got married, bro. Most of these guys ain't married. Yeah, I was going to say you're going to be in your like 50s when they're hitting their uh, their cuffing season. Sorry to hear that, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish you the best. Oh, man. I'm about six, man. I've been in, I've been in six weddings. Man. Well, boys, we got a, a great show uh, ahead of us. We have assistant or associate athletic director, Linda Teeler, joining us for the second time. It's been about two years since her first appearance on the show. Uh, I had a really good time talking to her. And then we welcomed for the first time uh, a guy by the name of Jeremy Foley. So excited to, uh, to chat with him and kind of see what he's been up to and his connection back to the University of Florida. Uh, but before we do that, let's give a shout out to our friends over at Allen Horn Insurance, which is the title sponsor of Stadium and Gale. Visit allenhorninsurance.com. That's A-L-A-N-H-O-R-N-E insurance.com. Or give them a call at 706-692-2888. If you are in Florida, Georgia, Alabama, or 
Tennessee. Give him a call. Again, 706-692-2888. Before we get too heavy into the show, Nick, we're going to be talking a lot of baseball with you before Linda comes on the show. Uh, But do want to give a congratulations in order to the women's gymnastics program, the number two team, uh, won the Auburn Regional and will be heading to Fort Worth, Texas for the NCAA Finals. Uh, In their second match of the uh, the weekend they scored the third highest total uh with a 198.775 um so congratulations to them they're currently ranked number 2 in the country uh but certainly best of luck to Jenny Rowland and her squad of uh gymnasts that are going out to Fort Worth to hopefully take home another ship for the Florida Gators Nick you were wrong buddy you were sitting on your high horse um, <laughs> Two and two is a high horse? No, no. You're sitting on your high horse Wednesday morning. The Gators had just beat FSU, um, routed FSU. Um, Shout out to that catch, man. Who caught that ball, bro? Wyatt Langford. He did it again, Silk. He did it again on Friday night, robbed another home run. That man kid went full King Griffey, dog. Shout out to him. His one, his one on Friday night in Athens was even more impressive. Yeah, I didn't catch that one. Uh, it's not surprising. Uh, well, it's tough to find on TV, Nick. No, it was on ESPN2 Friday night. It's tough for me oh, to yeah. find the TV, Then uh, it's, it's been difficult these days. But uh, what do you think about that kid as a prospect? He got some good pro prospects? Um, yeah, so interesting. He came to Florida. Uh, he's a sophomore, so he came to Florida last year um, and was a catcher, and they just didn't have a spot for him. So my guy had four at-bats last year. Um and was anytime a guy warmed up during a game, he was in the bullpen catching them. Um, I jokingly asked him, how many innings did you catch in the bullpen last year? Um, he said all of them. Couldn't put a number on it, just said every single one. Um, hmm. So they had a spot open in the outfield. It's a position he's never played. Not that, you, not that you'd be able to tell, but this is the first time he's ever played outfield. Um, he's snatching balls like that? Just, balls. just, he's, hey, big pause. Um yeah, he's just, he looks like a natural out there in the outfield. Um, really did a good job um, kind of bulking up uh, in the offseason. I think he's second on the team with 10 home runs right now um, and second on the team in batting average, hitting 333 uh, with 35 hits, which is also the second most on the team. Um, yeah, so Wyatt Langford, just down the road from Trenton, Florida, country boy. Um, I don't believe he's draft eligible. Uh, as a sophomore, so you'll get another year of Wyatt Langford um, out there in the outfield. But uh, he's certainly been one of the cooler stories, kind of came out of nowhere. You know, I think other than me and maybe his family and the coaching staff, nobody really knew he was on the team because he didn't get uh, many opportunities in 2021. Um, he's having an unbelievable start to the year. Um, one of the few bright spots currently. Well, so Nick, as I was saying, you're sitting high on your horse. On I was not. Night, I was not. I, I called. I I called two and two with a loss to FSU, right, and right, I was right, getting right, attacked right. on Tuesday night, saying you said you said Florida's going to lose this game. I said you did well, right. Yeah. So two. you're sitting high on your horse Tuesday. You thinking the Gators might go three and one on the week? Um, you know, you can yeah. pass over your two two. Uh, record that you called for the week. And unfortunately the Gators go 0 for 3 against a, a pretty bad Georgia team. What, what happened? And was it the same thing that's been happening all year? Yes, uh, it, it was uh, a pretty <clears throat> troubling stat. Shout out to Sam Smith. He is my unofficial statistician um, through nine games of SEC play. Hunter <laughs> Barco 
has an ERA of 180. Great ERA. The remainder of Florida's pitching staff has a combined 10-24 ERA, uh, which is shockingly bad. Um, You you don't need to know much about baseball, uh, but if you see a 10 in the ERA category, it's not good. Um, Mm. So because the series started on Thursday, which is uh, all TV-related, Georgia decided to keep their their ace, Jonathan Cannon, on Friday. Um, Pitchers like to get into a rhythm. And sure, once you get to the pros, you're on a five-day schedule. But but in college, you know, if you're a Friday night starter, you're on a six-day off day, you know, a six-day off schedule. You're on a pitching once-a-week schedule. Guys like to throw their bullpens at a certain time, do their running. So they kept him there. When Florida chose to pitch Hunter Barco on Thursday, I thought, all right, you're conceding the game to Jonathan Cannon. Like that, he's that good. If mm-hmm. if you were going to beat Cannon, you're going to need to throw Barco against him. Mm-hmm. Um, Barco throws Thursday. Um, doesn't factor into the decision. He only lasted five innings, which was the shortest outing of his career, uh, not his career, of his season. Um, gives up three, but he's not the reason they lost. Florida actually. Uh, a Judd Fabian home run in the eighth gives them a chance to win the game, and they collapse in the ninth. Um, Typical bullpen stuff that we've seen Saturday. Uh, you get Cannon out of the game early, but uh, the bullpen again, uh, you know, not going to get the job done. Brandon Sprout actually had a really nice start. Um, I don't believe he got the loss. He was in line for the loss for a while. Certainly didn't deserve it. Uh, and then I didn't see much of the game on Saturday because I was at the wedding. <clears throat> um, but going back through it and looking at the box score, uh, one disastrous inning. Uh, where you give up, I believe, eight runs, and, and Florida gets, uh, you know, outscored pretty con- pretty convincingly on Friday and Saturday against Georgia. Um, like you like you said, Dan, it's it's really a Georgia team that is in no uh, threat of like hosting a regional. Um, it's not going to be a Georgia team that's going to win the SEC or win the SEC tournament. Um, no excuse for Florida to go up there and get swept in Athens and you get number two, Arkansas coming to town. So it's not like it would have been a, you don't get many weekends off right. in the sec. But um, what you're saying and, is it doesn't and, get any real easier than. Yeah. Like Missouri, like playing Missouri later, Missouri's not very good, uh, but you have to go to Missouri. That's a long trip. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, like it's not going to get much easier than, than Georgia, Missouri, um, you know, Florida's next next couple series coming up. Um, number two, Arkansas comes to town uh, this weekend. Um, not going to be easy. Then you play Florida State. You have to travel up to Vanderbilt. Um, they just had a hell of a time with Tennessee. Uh, got swept by Tennessee. Uh, and then you get number one, Tennessee, coming to town, you know, at the end of mm. April. Um, so the next three series for Florida um, – could potentially bury bury the Gators before you get, you know, even to May. You're going to have to figure out some ways to win some games there uh, against number one, number one, Tennessee, number two, Arkansas, um, or else, you know, uh, things can get ugly quick. Nick, we, we've got a couple minutes before Linda comes on. I want to ask you, so I was reading some quotes by uh, Kevin O'Sullivan and, you know, talks and your reading or your writing as well. I know that there's a lot of very young pitchers on this team, but it seems like they're having much more of a struggle this year than in previous years, maybe yeah. over the last decade or, or so. 
um, you know, without keeping track and, and looking at ERAs. Now I know this team has a lot more youngsters compared to other years where you can kind of pepper them in, but do you see any improvement? I mean, it just seems like it's kind of the case over and over and over again where they're consistently just getting beat up, but without a lot of improvement with those innings under their belt. Yeah, I mean, at, at some point, Sully will probably – he's kind of said it. He hasn't, you know, put a blanket statement out yet. But at some point, um, they're not freshmen anymore. Like when you mm-hmm. – uh, a guy like Ryan Slater, um, who's a redshirt freshman who has been really good for Florida, you've he's made 10 appearances. Or do you still consider him a freshman? A guy like Nick Ficarota, a redshirt freshman but hadn't pitched until this year, um, he's made 15 appearances. I wouldn't consider him a freshman anymore. Blake Purnell, who's the closer, um, got the loss on Friday night. He's made 15 appearances. And, and when you start looking at, I guess, the appearances, you can see who is trusted and who is not. Um, Brandon Neely's a guy who is starting to get some more appearances. Philip Abner, another freshman, starting to get some more appearances. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'd like to see more consistency from the bullpen. The only consistency I think we're getting right now is is like blown, sli- blown saves, walks, and, and hit batters. So, um Coming into the year, nine of the 14 pitchers available uh, for Florida and for Kevin O'Sullivan had no college pitching experience. Hmm. Um, So, yes, they were young. That was going to be an excuse. But you're you're looking at it now, and it's, okay, well, it's it's April. Um, These guys have got innings under their belt, Um, you know, Nick Ficarro's pitched almost 30 innings across 15 appearances. Uh, I haven't been following the team. Clearly, you know that. So what do you think is the issue, lack of of, of stuff, junk, experience, speed, fastballs? Like what's the um, issue with pitching? It's interesting because like the, I, I, they're just not throwing strikes. Um, they're walking guys, hitting guys. Um, I don't know how, you know, a lot of people are saying you need a new pitching coach and I, I can tell right away who's not following because they have a, a new pitching coach um, <laughs> brand new this year. Um, but like, I don't think it's his fault. Like you, you can't, mm-hmm. you, you're not on the mound, you know, you can't go and execute a pitch. You can call something based on analytics. You can call it based on, you know, the scouting right. report, but you can't go out there and throw that curveball on the black. Um, you know, with an O2 count, you know, you're not the ones that that's walking guys. And, and mm-hmm. like, these are talented players. It's not like Florida's not, and Kevin O'Sullivan are, are not pulling in really good recruiting classes. They're pulling in top five recruiting classes every year. Yeah. These kids that are on the team were some of the most highly regarded uh, high school baseball players in the country. So at some point you just have to, at some point I, I put the blame on the, on the players mm-hmm. and you have to go and execute. Um mm-hmm. It's a long season. There's still a bunch of games left. Um, but like I said, you know, looking at Florida's schedule coming up uh, the next three weekends, it, it's really tough. And, and I don't think you're going to win the SEC, um, you know, this week or, or mm-hmm. this month. But you can certainly put yourself in such a big hole that you're that you're out of it by the end of April. Yeah. Well, Nick, I want to, uh, sorry to cut you off. I do want to bring on Linda Teeler, but before we do that, do you want to give a shout out to our friends over at home field apparel, uh, visit homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code stadium and Gail, all one word, get 15% of your off of your order. Uh, if you are looking for about 60 different schools, including UF, where they have about 18 different products, visit homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code stadium and Gail and get 15% off of your order. 
Joining us for the second time on Stadium and Gales, one of the guests that everybody talked about how great the interview was. So we're super excited to bring her back. Linda Teeler, how are you this evening? I am doing great. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Well, Linda, um, obviously, since we chatted uh, two years ago, there's been a lot of change in um, UF coaches and you know a lot of changes that you all have made um, adapting to NIL and a lot of other things. So I guess overall, over the last two years, how, how has it been in the athletic department? You guys staying pretty busy? <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on. Um, but, you know, um, change – a lot of really positive things um, happening and you know even some of the things I think you know that grab headlines that people are worried about NIL etc at the end um, they are they're positive we're learning our way through but these are good good changes so um, it's positive I'm excited about where we are I'm excited about where we're headed Excellent. So, so Linda, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the changes that have been made? Um, I know that you, you know, without delving too, too much into it, um, obviously Florida made um, three coaching uh, changes at, at three of their biggest sports, women's basketball, men's basketball, and football. Um, during those discussions about what you guys were, were looking for, obviously you went in-house for, uh, for one of those hires, but what were you guys looking for out of the potential leads uh, of those um, you know, different teams? Yeah, you know, uh, so much of it comes down to fit. Because in the end, when you have a ton of talented basketball coaches or a ton of talented football coaches, you know, they can call plays, X's and O's, they know how to recruit. Um, But will they be a fit here? Will they be able to build the relationships with the Gator Nation? Will they be able to build relationships internally on campus with um, prospects and their families? Uh, Will they be a fit here? Can they embrace the challenges and the pressures and um, the high standards, all that comes, you know, that comes with being um, here at Florida. So again, so much of it, when you get past kind of initial hurdles is really about fit and um, trying to determine, you know, are, are these folks going to fit here? So you talk to a ton of people and uh, you know, some of it's a little bit of your gut, but um, you know, who, who can you see in, our lineup of coaches who looks like, you know, they're going to be a great member of our coaching staff. How does, how does that process? Um, uh, I guess let's go with football specifically. Scott kind of worked really fast um, identifying yep. Billy Napier. Um, how do you, how do you do that? I guess in that such a short time span. And then you're also not just trying to find your coach. There's other schools that have uh, right. uh, coaching vacancies and, and, you know, someone that might, Hey, we might be battling against LSU for this. So we have to kind of work quickly. How do you work in? Are they a good fit with also, well, if we take a month to do this, that we might be right. you know, taking two months because we have to find somebody else. For sure. And I think those are really, you know, the time uh, pressures uh, for both football and the men's basketball search were, you know, those are, pretty on point. I mean, you know, everyone sort of their openings come available at the same time. And, you know, the, their known quantities in terms of who are really talented coaches and all that. So really that assessment comes down to talking to people that, you know, you trust, um, you know, or even folks that you don't know, but are, you know, have some insight into the the candidates you're working on. So it, it is a ton of time just on the phone and trying to hear, um, you know, what other people have to say, valuing um, input from a lot of different people, a lot of different um, areas, just getting as much information as you can and, and trying to make the best decision with, with what you have. And, and 
about the about Billy's the the Billy Napier coaching search specifically, how much of that was was just on Scott Strickland, and how much were were you guys involved when we we talk about you know coaching hires, especially for football and, and men's basketball? You talk about uh, coaching search firms or right. um, you know inner circles. How much? I guess how big was the the search committee for for football and um and and I guess what was the process of once the decision was made to move away from Dan Mullen to then looking for a new coach all the way to hiring coach Napier. Yeah, so I think you know they they are two different processes for sure and I think they just are sort of born out of um you know the time available and necessity and kind of you know where um scott felt like he was in in sort of evaluating the pool um he you know he got a lot of input about billy um but i think he was more out front in terms of doing the legwork and um really sort of chasing down information and, and he really was um the primary uh point on on billy napier and then i think with um with Todd Golden, um, we operated more as a group. Um, we had, you know, there were four or five of us, um, and we had a little bit more time, and not a lot, a little bit more time, and um, had more of a of a committee process versus, um, you know, where, like I said, with uh, with Billy Scott was really kind of the lead. Um, not that he didn't get input from other people, but he really was uh, the primary driver there. Linda, I want to ask you about Todd Golden real quick. Um, and then Corey, I want you to jump in. A lot of people have talked about Todd Golden from kind of a basketball perspective and an analytics perspective, but you know, I know some people are getting a taste of, of Todd Golden from, from a little bit of the media and some press conferences and things of that nature. But what can you tell Gator fans about him as a person, maybe his personality, kind of what to expect out of the, the person and not just the coach? Yeah, he is. Um, I love hanging out with Todd. He's um, he's, really down to earth, um, a good person. And, and he is genuinely interested in building relationships and connecting with Gator fans, Gator Nation, other people in the department. I mean, that you can tell that's it's a sincere desire of his. It's sincere in his approach. Um, he's kind of what you see is what you get. You know, he um, he's just very real. And um, and has a ton of energy, super enthusiastic. Um, he talked about, you know, being grateful um, in his press conference. That's one of his really core values as it comes to his team and all that. And I think you get that vibe when you talk with him. Like he is genuinely grateful for this opportunity and everything that comes with it. Um, so I love hanging with Todd. Linda, what do you think about the future of NIL and, and, and as it pertains to the University of Florida? I know a lot, a lot of the fans have a lot of questions about like uh, activity or inactivity. What do you think about the future of it? Yeah, you know, we all have a lot of questions um, and, you know, it, it's just going to sort of evolve. So my general take here is that um, we're going to land in a spot where student athletes are going to have the freedom to, um, you know, make some money on endorsement deals or other, you know, sort of NIL activities, social media and whatnot. But it's really going to get, um, we're going to have, it's going to be more defined. It's going to be less scary. It's not going to be, uh, you know, this, uh, I don't think all of our worst fears are going to be realized here. I think it'll just be, you know, we had the same conversations when student athletes, at one point they couldn't work. And then when they were allowed to work, 
you know, there's a lot of hand wringing around. There were going to be all these fake jobs and money, you know, being passed under the table. Well, some of that exists regardless of the rules. So I think allowing NIL will just give students a genuine opportunity to earn money doing things that they like, enjoy, um, you know, or have an interest in. I think the challenge will be is really trying to understand how we can um, manage or uh, kind of deal with this idea of those NIL deals being inducements to pick a school. That I think that's the thing that worries me the most um, when it comes to, you know, influence in either prospects coming in or transfers like that. That's the bad side of NIL. I think there's a ton of good. If we can figure out this inducement piece, I think it, the temperature will come way down. From a, a legislative uh, standpoint, are you concerned that uh, are you guys and maybe the ADs at other schools? Are you guys having a conversation with other Florida schools about our coaches being at a disadvantage of, of some sort? No, not really. So a couple reasons. One is because there's a real fear around um, kind of antitrust and collusion and really right. working closely with other schools. So we, we don't tend to have those conversations. Um, and the disadvantage, you know, I, the hard part is nobody knows what information is real. So you hear there's, mm. you know, these multi-million dollar deals everywhere. Well, is that true? And if it is true, I do think there's going to be some point where there has to be a return on investment, right? So you let a year pass, two years, and these big deals, did people, the companies or the individuals, did they have a return on investment that will get them to continue um, right. to put that kind of money in the deals? I don't know that we're going to see that. I think the biggest thing is like the fans are concerned with uh, some coaches are able or certain schools are able to navigate in NIL different than different states like Florida yes. and Texas have two totally different laws. Yep. There is some concern around that. Um, and, you know, so the the most obvious solution is that Congress gets involved and we have this set of rules and parameters that apply to everybody. I don't know that that's, you know, I, I think people want that where that falls and, and how we get there. I, there's a lot of really smart people working on it. I just don't know that that's, in, right. you know, that's immediate. So you, we operate in this, the current landscape. I think we, as time goes on, we're going to, we're going to get a little better at understanding what isn't, isn't in play, what you can and can't do and what's real. Um, I, I really have a sense that um, some of the um, angst and nervousness around NIA, you broke up on us, Linda. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought I said something so profound, I like stopped the show. Um, <laughs> yeah, we got you. I think your phone cut out while you were saying that very profound <laughs> okay. thing. Sorry. Um, I was like, I just, you know what? I, just, I dropped a bomb. And like, they, they are, I have left them literally speechless. <laughs> that, that's hard to do with Nick on the show. Uh, Linda, sure. I want to ask you a, a question and we live in, you know, a world where NIL legislation was was kind of left pretty nebulous um, in terms of what could be allowed and what couldn't be allowed. And I think that they almost just said, hey, let's take this to court and let the courts kind of figure it out. Is that kind of the way that that athletic departments are operating or are they taking a more conservative approach um, towards, hey, this is what's written. So this is what we're going to allow. Or do we see, 
you know, some schools um, trying to test the limits of, of what's allowed and what's not in, in hopes that it does get brought up in, um, you know, court trials yeah. or court cases. That's such a great, that's such a great question because I think some of what we hear about big deals and uh, again, I don't know how real any of that is. It, right. Some of, some of it is real, but I, so I, I have my doubts about how valid the information is. And I think, um, for most institutions, what they're trying to do is allow and support NIL activity to whatever extent you can, but not do something where looking back, you're going to end up, um, you know, having to like invalidate seasons or declare kids ineligible or do things mm. because you pressed too hard. So I think for the most part, people are acting sort of responsibly, trying to figure out where they can and can't operate. I still... You know, and I'm not sure if this is the part that broke up or not. For me, the primary concern isn't about current student athletes. It's about mm -hmm. prospects. And um, that's an area where I just um, because you, that's not the schools acting. That is the others. Right. That's anyone that wants to, you know, do something for their home team and, you know, get involved in the recruiting process. And I just think there's a lot. That's where the, the danger and um some of just the bad dealings go. And I think you're going to end up with, with prospects saying, wait a minute, this guy promised me this and didn't deliver or, you know, companies saying, wait, I had a deal with this, you know, young person who didn't end up coming. And now, you know, it's, so there's going to be a lot of, a little mess there. And that's the part that concerns me. It's the, the prospects, not necessarily our current student athletes. What, what, your current student athletes, what can, because I think there's a lot of questions and, and I've seen fans say, well, Florida's not doing enough with NIL. And I'm like, well, they can't broker deals right. for guys. So um, can you just lay out what can the university do when it comes to NIL? Because, um, you know, it was very publicized, the partnering with the Gator Collective, but just what can and can't um, UF as the UAA do when it comes to NIL yeah. with current athletes? So, we can support the activity. So we can, you know, we um, have these, an institutional deal with um, some of the NIL, um, you know, uh, not the marketplace, but those who help with social media and branding and help you, you know, steer students in the right direction, make their information available so we can know a few schools and, and that's the, that is the, the nugget that gets folks in trouble is the institution setting up the deals because it's really when you boil it down, it's, it's pay for play. You're, you're arranging just because you're not doing it. You're arranging money to end up in the bank account of a student athlete. And no matter what state you live in and whatever the circumstance, that is still not allowed. That is still against NCAA rules. So um, I know, you know, there's this whole effort, you know, we, people need to be really aggressive. Well, that's, we can't, we can't put money into the effort. We can't, broker the deals, we can help um, set the table, prepare student athletes, and let others know 
you know, our athletes are very interested in, and here's how you can get in touch with them if you would like to engage with them in NIL. Perfect. Um, well, Linda, we, we appreciate your time. We want to be cognizant. We know that you're, you're driving. We certainly appreciate your, your time this evening and everything that you've Anytime. got going on. I know that they just added another uh, responsibility to your plate in terms of helping UF find their new um, president, uh, university president. So uh, congratulations to you and certainly best of luck. And what I would imagine will be a, a fun uh, but also um, stressful time over the next couple months. It won't be the four days that we um, we found Todd Golden. So it, it might it might take a little bit longer than that. But um, no, I'm excited about it. And you know, for the university itself and also athletics. I mean, the university president is really pivotal to what we do. And, and Kent Fox has been so supportive. And so I'm happy to be a part of the group. And hopefully, we can identify um, the next leader that also embraces you know athletics as the front porch and and as support um, for everything the university is trying to do. Excellent. Well, Linda, thank you so, so much for your time. Drive safely and we'll talk to you soon. Well, I thank you for having me. Take care, you guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Linda Teeler, always great to have her on and have her perspective. Uh, but without further ado, we do have Jeremy Foley waiting. Uh, but with some ado in mind, do want to give a shout out uh, to our friends over at Game Time Sidekicks. Use promo code STADIUM at GameTimeSidekicks.com. Get the best vacuum sealed cups that you can find on the market. Like I said last week, I used one again this week. I uh, still had ice in my cup by the end of the boat ride. So anytime that you can do that, you know you're doing things the right way. So GameTimeSidekicks.com. Promo code STADIUM. And without further ado now, we welcome former Florida Gators Athletic Director and Athletic Director Emeritus Jeremy Foley to the show. Jeremy, it's a pleasure to, to welcome you this evening. Hello, Dan. Hello, Nick. Long time no see. Corey, nice to meet How's you. How's it going? Likewise. Good to see you. Well, Jeremy, want to... You to play Augusta, Nick? Uh, I think that's just for you guys. Uh, uh, Chip... Chip Howard uh, saw me in this hat at a baseball game. He goes, they really let the standards of who they let in those gates down. I said, yeah, they, they sure do. Nick only got to go to a practice round, Jeremy. So, mm -hmm. uh, well, Jeremy, well, thank you so much for, for joining us this evening. It's, a, it's truly an honor and a, and a privilege to have you on the show. Uh, Jeremy, I know a lot of people know your story, but, but want to go way back all the way um, to the mid seventies when you first came to the university of Florida uh, working in the ticketing office, what was it that, that drew you to Florida and then ultimately kept you around for the next four years? Well, the thing that drew me here, um, Dan, is that I was getting my master's degree in sports administration at Ohio university. And the last component of the degree was an internship and uh, 25 students at uh, Ohio university that spring, one guy went home without an internship, and that was me. And fortunately, in July, the uh, University of Florida called me and offered me one. So what brought me here was the only opportunity I had. And um, <laughs> you know, so they brought me down here. And obviously, you know, once you get here, as, as, we, as I'm sure you all know, and I'm sure a lot of your guests talk to you about, a lot of special things happen in this place. And a uh, good town and obviously a great university. So no reason to leave. Obviously, never left. Still here. I love it. Well, well, Jeremy, that's uh, 
It's a great story. Uh, want to kind of talk your way through um, your your time there at UF. Started off as an intern in the ticket office, then you became the ticket manager, and then you got to oversee tickets and game operations, and you become an associate AD, um, then you become the interim AD. So over the course of 10 years, you go from uh, a guy with no internship to uh, the interim athletic director at the University of Florida. What kind of propelled you during those 10 years? I mean, obviously there was you know, some, some challenges and, um, and growth that the University of Florida Athletic Department was, was going through. But, but what got you to the point where over 10 years you go from, from being an intern to being the interim athletic director? You know, I get asked that question a lot. And um, I don't know if there's any special, special formula except, um, you know, I just went to work every day. I liked doing what I was doing. Um, I kept getting more opportunities. I kept getting more responsibility. You know, Bill Carr, who was the athletic director at the time, you know, just he trusted me. And, you know, that's when you when you any employee wants to be entrusted and with more things to do. And so that, that's what happened. I was living in Gainesville, Florida. I was working in sports. That's all I ever wanted to do was work in sports. And I'm at one of the best universities in America. And obviously, there were some challenging times back then. But, um, you know, the bottom line is I had a great opportunity. I was trusted by the people that um, that I work for. And and, you know, I, I was having a lot of fun. When the opportunity came uh, to be athletic director, was there any self-doubt? I mean, you've, you've watched people do it before, but it's a big step to be, you know, in charge of an athletic program. Was there any, can I do this? Am I ready for this? Well, when I was, to be honest, people always ask me, did you always have a goal to be an athletic director? And I never really, really did. Not that I didn't have goals. I just really wanted to do a good job for Florida. And, and I liked what I was doing. As I said, I was getting more responsibility. So, um, you know, I never really thought about being an AD until they put me in charge back in 86 for three months. And that's the first time I ever thought about it. And I enjoy sitting in the chair. Um, not, it sounds kind of like arrogant, but it's, I just like the fact that I could put my ideas forward. I had a chance to impact people and organizations. So, um, you know, that was the first time I ever really thought about it. And then, you know, they hired Bill Ornsberger and I was his right-hand guy for five years. And I made a commitment to myself that I was going to do everything I could to put myself in position to, you know, when the job came open again, to, to, to seek it and mm -hmm. try to get it. And, you know, so I prepared for it. So I never, I mean, obviously, as you know, I'm sure you've documented more than once. I, I made a lot of mistakes and uh, failed a few times along the way, but um, I never doubted my ability to do it. Uh, I was excited to do it. Uh, it was an incredible opportunity. You know, certainly there's moments when you make decisions where you have self-doubts and, you know, obviously in reflection or decisions you uh, that I made that, I wish it turned out differently or maybe I'd done differently, but um, doing the job itself, I never, I never doubted that, um, that I, that I could, you know, do it. And um, obviously it was given an incredible opportunity to do it. Mr. Foley, you get, you get the job. What What's your first order of business mentally? Like what, what, what do you, what do you have uh, importance? Cause there wasn't a lot of this culture that we know now and the fans know a lot of uh, what we have now, but these great memories weren't there. So what was your first order of business? Well, you know, um, Corey, back in the 80s, not a lot of Gator fans, some do, but a lot don't, that, um, you know, the, the University of Florida had huge NCAA issues. Um, you know, in 1984, we were charged with more NCAA rules violations in our football program than any team in history. You know, we won a SEC championship in 1984 to get taken away from us. It's the only time that's ever happened in the history of the University of Florida. And I was just kind of on the sidelines. I was involved in terms of, you know, trying to provide information to the NCA when they requested this receipt or this phone record. 
but I saw what it did to the institution. And then, you know, five years later, we were back on probation again uh, in football and basketball. Again, Coach Spurrier's first year here, 1990, we had the best team in the league, his first year out of the shoot, and we can't be conference champions because we were on probation again. You know, that's still great, Coach Spurrier. It will, it will be till he, he takes his last breath. You know, he had the best team in the league and couldn't be conference champions. So, you know, the first thing, Corey, I want to make sure, I always felt like we had two strikes on us. And I saw the not only problems it caused us, but the problems it caused the University of Florida. And so um, my first order of business is, you know, you know, we were going to live in a black and white world. You know, we were going to be successful. We we're going to work hard. You know, we we're going to do things the right way. And, you know, if we didn't win, we we're going to work harder. Um, but when we did win, it was going to be done the right way with quality people. And when we, when we put the flag up, the trophy up, nobody's going to say, well, you know, I wonder how they got that done in Florida. You know, so we spent a lot of time changing the culture in terms of how we were going to live our lives and how we were going to follow the rules. And that became part of, you know, a huge part of how we ran our shop around here. Jeremy, I want to ask a question. Um, the Gators really rose into prominence in both uh, football and basketball um, in the 90s and obviously the 2000s where really the ability to watch sports became a lot more ubiquitous. There were a lot more um, games on TV and, and fans started to follow a lot more closely because you could watch every game without really any hindrances or, or maybe only listening on the radio at times. Um, and I kind of coincide that with kind of the rise of social media too and a lot of fans having takes and, and maybe some are, are good, well thought out reason takes and a lot are hot takes, right? So how did you balance over you know the next 20 years where Gator fans were accustomed to winning you know in football every year and in basketball every year that when social media started to give a voice to everybody and maybe some sports were were struggling how do you kind of insulate the athletic department from you know maybe some of those those hot takes from from infiltrating in and, and being confident in yourself and the, the the team around you and the coaches that you have coaching for you uh, it's, it's a great question and you know, something I talk about a lot, you know, I do some, I do some mentoring right now with some coaches around the country, a few coaches here still. And, um, you know, we talk about this and, you know, fortunately for me, um, the prevalence of Twitter was really just starting to come in towards the end of my tenure. Right. Mm -hmm. That being said, obviously there were ways for, as you say, for fans to, um, you know, give their hot takes. And, you know, when coach Breyer left here and I hired coach Zook, uh, that was really the, the first time I had ever gone through that type of criticism. I mean, uh, it was pretty intense. Uh, it was because up to that time, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, Coach Breyer is our coach. And we're, you know, we know what was being accomplished then. And, you know, we were having a lot of fun, winning a lot of games, going to Atlanta, you know, winning national championships, conference championships. So it was, you know, I'm not saying it was easy. Obviously, it wasn't easy. But the criticism when we hired Coach Zook was like nothing I'd ever experienced. So you asked me how I handled it. I didn't handle that one very well at all. I, um, you know, it really, really affected me. I read it. I paid too much attention to it. You know, I'll be honest with you. I thought at that time, you know, all these fans were weighing in emails. I said, you know, they're taking the time to write and hot takes is being mild. Um, I said, well, I need to respond to them. So I'm responding to all these people taking the time to do that. It's been, you know, and, you know, really right. kind of changed who I was. I, I kind of became a recluse. I didn't go out. I didn't, I felt it. Mm. Uh, I didn't like being in restaurants. Um, I wasn't taught, you can't sit in a chair like this, you know, having a thick skin, you know. And um, at some point, you know, three or four months later, six months later, I said, you know something, the heck with it, you know. I, I made the decision I thought was right. I spent the next three and a half years, my staff did, you know, working like hell to make that thing work. 
Um, you know, obviously we had some success, but not what the Gator fans were expecting it to. And it was, but, you know, but from that point forward, I never paid attention to it. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, necessarily, I didn't, I don't need to read. Uh, I mean, emails came in, I would just delete them, not being disrespectful, but there was too many of mine, a job to do. You can't mm-hmm. do your job and respond to that type of stuff. You know, uh, I didn't need to go on talk radio shows and listen to it. You know, when Will was four and eight, did I need to go read stuff to know that people were upset with us, upset with me, upset with him? Of course not, you know. And it takes you away from the job at hand. And I'll be honest with you, I think it's one of the biggest challenges that the profession faces right now because it's real. Uh, players are on it. Coaches are on it. Uh, I was talking to one of the coaches that I mentor, and he was telling me that he thought at one point he was paying too much attention to it. And he's worked really hard at changing. The coach isn't here. But he made the comment that um, – that when you pay attention to that stuff too much and you read it too much and you internalize it too much, it makes you a lesser version of yourself, okay? And, you know, it's, it's a great line. Okay? People are entitled to their opinions and people, you know, people are unhappy if they're unhappy. I get it. I'm a big fan, too. I'm a Boston Red Sox fan. If there had been Twitter or, or <laughs> emails back then when I was growing up, they would have hurt me <laughs> left and right. You know, I mean, seriously. You know, For that's sure. what fans do. So yeah. You just can't you can't go down that rabbit hole, and, and there's only so many hours in the day, and there's only so much room in your head. So early on, to answer your questions, Dan, I didn't handle it very well. After that, again, it's not that I didn't care, but I, you know, I got the type of thick skin you need to sit in a chair and be a CEO, um, and just work like heck to make things as good as I could for the Florida Gators. What would your email have said to Bill Buckner? <laughs> you know something. I felt bad for him, so it wouldn't have been. Okay. I, don't think I would have said anything, you know. I would yeah. Been, I, I'd have been mad at Dan Tuchet when we let Roger Clemens go. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, it's a bunch of trades they didn't make that I would have made. You know. <laughs> I yeah. Say, I know how it works. I know how it works. You, you've read you've read enough of those emails that you you could fire one off to to somebody else in in, in charge of a team that you like. You're like, I know, you know I know what? how these I know the formula of these emails. Yeah, you know what I should have done. I thought about it, and you know, I told you delete, delete, delete. I should have printed all of them and made a book, you know, right from the chair. I mean, it would have been fascinating for everybody to see what people say, you know. It, but, it would have been it would have been like a CD. It had to come with a parental advisory sticker. Yeah. Like, there is some strong language in this book. Mr. Fuller, I think you was ahead of your time with trying to make every sport at the University of Florida great and all and everything school. That's one thing the fans uh, brag about. Um, what what was your ideology behind that? I know. We're in the South, so football has always been big. What, what made you want to make every single sport here uh, a championship sport? Well, of course, when I first – well, first of all, growing up, you know, I played a lot of different sports. I like different sports. I like watching different sports. Obviously, I like watching football, but, you know, I was a cross player, and, you know, I like watching tennis. I like watching golf on TV. I liked them all, okay? But a couple things probably, you know, for my philosophy there. First of all, you know, back in those days when the University of Florida was having some tough times with the NCAA and, you know, really getting some bad publicity nationally, right? You know, back then, during those times, there was one program around here that never caused any problems. It was the women's program, right? And so I saw, you know, the notoriety in a positive way that they brought, okay? And then at the University of Florida, as it relates to the women's program, I made this comment to someone the other day. You know, during my interview to BAD, they asked me, well, what did I think about gender equity and everything? I said, I only know one way to do it. It's always been that way at Florida. Um, Every president I worked for, every athletic director prior to me, women's athletics was important, all right? So as much as anything else, if if you're going to run an intercollegiate athletic program, obviously I understand the importance of football, especially a place like Florida. understand the importance of having a full stadium, you know, 
you know, going to big bowl games, selling T-shirts and, you know, paraphernalia. I get that, right? But in a place like Florida, if you're going to have an intercollegiate athletic program, you got to be good in everything. You can't be uh, just good in football, in my opinion. That's one thing that drove us so hard when we hired Billy to change the culture in basketball. But to, because rec- to be recognized as one of the best athletic programs in America, I think you're going to make a statement in March. I'm not saying right. you're back to back. It's hard to do that. But I'm just saying. Absolutely. You know, we would be in the tournament one year and out two years, and then one one and then out. We don't. Before Billy got in, we've been in the tournament five times in our history. I don't think you can be talked about as a great program. There's too much notoriety and too much attention paid to, to March Madness. So all that went into our philosophy, right? And if we were going to play it, we were going to try to win. Uh, I think people like that. I think our, our coaches like that, our athletes like that. That was our commitment. If we were going to play, we were going to compete at the highest level. That's why when we started, you know, our soccer program, our softball program, our lacrosse program, we hired coaches two years before we started playing. We wanted mm-hmm. them to come in here, start recruiting, okay? We built really nice stadiums right off the bat, okay, because we wanted to show commitment to these recruits. And, you know, soccer wins the national championship four years in. Obviously, Becky Burley deserves 99 and her players, 99.9% of that um, that result of the credit. But I think our commitment in the front end has something to do with it, all right? So here's the other thing I found in this business. And, I, again, I go back to what I said earlier. I understand the football and basketball needs to win. But, you know, some in a place like Florida, you know, football didn't have the greatest year this year, right? Obviously, some people just run over with basketball, and we had a coaching change. I mean, a, a, not a, we didn't make one. Obviously, Mike moved on. But, you know, you got gymnastics sitting there and number one in the country mm-hmm. or two in the country got a chance to win it. You know, Miles Holloway just won a national championship. Um, you know, Brian Shelton's number one in the country or two in the country defending national championship men's tennis. You know, Tim Walton's running in the top ten. Mm-hmm. There's always another program to pick everybody up when you support everybody the same. So I just thought we thought that that was a really important way to, you know, again, for a place like the University of Florida to run its athletic program is to be as good as we could be in all 21 sports. They're all equally important to us. Jeremy, I want to follow up question, and this is kind of a little uh, self uh, tire pump here. Um, when I was a student at UF, I got to to serve on the Title IX committee that was right around the time that that Amanda O'Leary and the lacrosse program was getting started at UF. So I have kind of a two part question. One, how do you go about hiring that that first coach to build a program? Because that's so different than maintaining or building off of something that that's already been created. So how did you go about, you know, identifying those first coaches in in soccer and in softball and in lacrosse? And, and then I guess leading from there is what did you look for in coaches when you were looking to make that hire? Well, the first question is, you know, it's a great question because obviously we didn't have those three sports, so we didn't know a whole lot about them. You know, usually like, you know, I, you know, obviously I'm aware of what Scott's doing with his coaching searches now, the last two, and, you know, how you have a list of candidates and you hone them down and everything. You know, obviously we play football around here, so, you know, Scott, you know, we, you know, kind of had a feeling what direction we might want to go in. But, um, you know, in all three of those cases, you know, we, we, we threw a net out there. We, we put some ads, ads out there and see who wanted the job. And, you know, Becky was interested in the job and Tim Walton was interested in the job and Mandalary was. Obviously, other people were. And then you start looking at resumes, you start making phone calls. But, you know, instead of maybe just, you know, um, just going and getting somebody um, or going to this is the person we want to target and go, you know, we brought people in and we had a number of interviews. And obviously, I trust I leaned heavily upon my staff. Um, you know, Linda Teeler was a huge part of, you know, the, the search process around, process around here when, when I was the athletic director and continues to be. But, you know, 
had a lot of people in the room helping us pick those folks out. And obviously, I think we did a good job with, you know, all three of those candidates right there. And, you know, Dan, you know, if hiring coaches is a perfect science, you know, maybe I'm, you know, I never got any nasty emails, right? But um, it's not. And um, But it's also the most important thing an athletic, athletic director can do because, you know, high-quality coaches, are, you know, they're the ones that determine how good your athletic program is going to be. Um, athletes, you got to have athletes, of course, but athletes come and go. Mm-hmm. You know, Billy Donovan here was 19 years. Um, you know, Roland, I mean, Sully's been here 14. I think Tim, 15. I mean, that longevity is important when you have quality coaches. So you're looking for somebody who can win, obviously. You're looking for someone that um, can do it the right way. You're looking for somebody that um, maybe has something in their background that says to you, you know some. I like this about their makeup. Sully, for instance, was an all-ACC catcher. He was a pitching coach. College baseball, to me, is a pitching. You have the pitching, you got a chance to be in Omaha. As he pointed out to me, he was an all-ACC catcher first team, and Jason Veritek was second team. I like that, okay? <laughs> but, um, you know, Tim Walton got the ball on the last day in Omaha, game, the championship game, they gave him the ball. You know, Billy Donovan played in the Final Four. I mean, you could just – a little something that may, you know, Rhonda Fain, you know, was an Olympian and an All-American at UCLA. She kind of, that's just another additional thing you look for. I like sit in front of people and see the way they smile. So I, if I could see them sitting in the living room and recruiting, you know, you start looking for those and you're just looking for good people. You know, you, you like, did you, real quick, I got to ask this question. Did you, did you like McElwain smile? <laughs> You know, that's one of those emails I got right there. <laughs> Corey, Corey yeah. sent you many emails, apparently. He didn't put, he didn't put his name on there, you know? Yeah. A podcast guy, you know? But, <laughs> but um, so you just try to get a sense. And obviously, you talk to a lot of people. And, you know, it's it's, it's not perfect science. You know, obviously, Corey, that's one of the examples right there. You, th- you think it's going to work. And, you know, you look at track records and you look at, you know, past experiences. But, um you know, we hit some home runs and we hit some, you know, we hit some ground outs and um, right. that's the way it works. And I don't take, I don't, you know, when you don't hit the home run and you don't hit, the, you don't hit with it, it causes tremendous turmoil for, for the university, for a program, mm-hmm. for the coaches, for their assistants, for their families, you know, that's why it's so important. But, um, you know, those things were never taken lightly. And, um, you know, as I said, we hit, we hit on some really good ones and others didn't work out as we envisioned, you know. Um, it, I, I want to ask if, if there's been a, it, it would seem from the outside, an emphasis on getting young coaches. I think Billy was, you know, in his early thirties, uh, Sully was young, Tim Walton, um, Urban was young when, when you hired him. Is that just how it kind of worked out or were you specifically looking for men, women that were in the, the beginning of their careers, young and hungry, and then, you know, embodied some of those other things that you just mentioned? I was a big believer, you know, this is um, maybe something I learned. Beverly Carney, you may know that name. Great, she's a great track coach. Won a national championship here. The last time the women won a national championship in track, she won it back in 1992. And I was part of the. I didn't hire Beverly, but um, um, Bill Armstrong did. But I was part of the process, and you know we had a really competitive field, and she was really young. And I can remember people, you know, she's too young and too this. And I said, I can remember asking the question. How good can she be in five years? Mm-hmm. And the whole room went, well, five years, you know. So that kind of stuck with me. And I think a lot of times hires get made on, you know, on the day of the press conference. Everybody wants to win the press conference. I get that. Everybody mm-hmm. does. Because that gives you momentum. 
the momentum's good. Okay. Mm -hmm. Especially, you know, especially now with so many people having a chance to give their feedback. Okay. But, you know, winning the press conference is not important to see. So we like to envision where they were going to be five years from now. You know, I remember Rick Pitino. Rick Pitino told me not, told Billy not to take this job. All right. And we didn't think it was a good job. All we cared about was football. So I had, I'm, I'm recruiting Billy Donovan and Rick Pitino. <laughs> <laughs> so I called Rick and I made the comment. I said, okay, he goes, he goes, you know, expectations are too high. We were just at the final four two years ago. A lot of work to be done. I said, okay. So if I hire Billy and give him all the resources and give him a five or six year deal, five or six year contract, six year contract, what will I have six years from now? He says, well, you'll have one of the best coaches, not the best coaches in the country, right? And he was right. So it does kind of fit the model, right? There's going to be growing pains. This is a hard job. Another thing I like to get, we like to get people in here that kind of, you know, they, we can, they become one of us. That sounds arrogant, but I'm not talking about like we're better than anybody else, but there's a, you know, Corey, you mentioned a culture here. There is a culture here. Right. Culture of our winning. We, all 21 sports are important, you know, respecting all sports, men and women, you know, liking each other in the building, working hard every day, doing things the right way. And, you know, to get people in here and, and, and they stay here and they're, that's part of their journey. And I also think when you take a chance on a young guy, a young woman, you build some instant, instant um, loyalty, you know, you took a chance on me. Sully's tells me that all the time. I would never have had this opportunity if you hadn't believed in me when I was an assistant coach, right? I think that builds some loyalty. You know, you know, this is a competitive business. Every time there's a job opening, everybody, you know, is chasing other people's coaches and agents get involved. And, and I get you have to compensate them. I mean, I certainly was part of that world. But, you know, you take a chance on somebody and, and you give them the opportunity to be successful, to give them a chance to be in that position, I think you have a built-in chance as long as you're taking care of them and paying attention to keep them around for a long time. So, yeah, part, uh, of, the part of the model. Um, Corey brought up Jim McElwain, and we've talked about social media. What was that coaching search like with the way social media had started to become a beast? Because I imagine that was the first time you're, you're conducting an interview and there's a, a media camera, long lens outside, shooting through somebody's front window, taking pictures while you're trying to do an interview. Yeah, I mean, obviously it began to escalate there. You know, we're taking, you know, we're taking planes that aren't our airplanes because that's yeah. what I did when I hired Urban, thinking that would work again. And there's some people sitting in their living room and they're tracking not plane numbers but planes that. Le I mean, it, at some point in time though, Nick, and I, I kind of tell my staff this, you know, you just got to put you got a job to do. You know, mm -hmm. what people are writing, what people, you got a job to go hire a coach, and um, obviously you'd like to do that in secret. Obviously. You don't want there to be any chance that the search gets, you know, um, messed up because the whole world knows you're hiring them and, you know, there's pressures to bear for the person to stay, you know. So does it make it more difficult? Yeah. I mean, but again, it becomes part of the gig. And, um, you know, I told Scott, I told Scott, you know, when um, obviously he's hired several coaches since I've, I said, Scott, because I know Scott likes to be on Twitter. So and I told him this. I said, stay off Twitter when you're hiring a coach, dude. It'll, it'll distract <laughs> you. Know, and, um you know, so yeah, it can make it more difficult, but um, I think at the end of the day, that's when you just got to revert back to the form. You know, don't read it, don't pay attention to it, and go do the job you're hired to do. Was it always urban on that hire? I know that's the year that Steve Spurrier was also leaving Washington. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Coach Spurrier, everybody was on a list. At the end of the day, you know, Coach and I talked. Um, at the end of the day, you know, his comment was to me, you know, hard to go back home again. 
you know. And obviously, right. I think he'd been in conversation with mm -hmm. South Carolina even before we had Open. Urban was the guy that we targeted earlier. On, I mean, early on. Um, you know, at that time, and obviously, you know, things have a way of, you know, good fortune sometime. Um, you know, Bobby Petrino was high on the list. Bobby was doing things that, um, in terms of Gator fans, like out on the field, you know, throwing all over the place, uh, doing some incredible things. You know, Bobby Petrino was a good football coach. Obviously, you know, you know, some some bumps in the road in his career. But, um, um, you know, once I've gotten in front of Urban the first time, it was, you know, it's kind of like I got in front of Billy the first time. There's no doubt in my mind that's the guy we wanted to hire. And obviously, Under we had to fend off Notre Dame. You know. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was actually my follow-up question was, what was it like to, to fend off Notre Dame? And, you know, how did those negotiations, you know, ha I mean, obviously, you know, without, you know, a lot of the details, but, you know, was there a, a sense of, I don't want to say panic, but was there um, a sense of just lack of confidence at times? Or, or, or what is your yeah, mindset that, when Notre Dame gets that, brought in? That's a good word. That, 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 crept in, that crept in more than once. But mm -hmm. um, here's, let me give you a little, um, tell you the reason I think that ended up, okay in our favor you know back then nobody let their football coaches go in the middle of the year and mm -hmm. um you know we did with ron for again i'm not mm -hmm. proud of that i mean as a decision we thought we needed to make no point waiting and what that allowed us to do is begin doing research in a lot of different coaches and obviously done a lot of research on urban and urban was having that 12 and 0 year at utah and we weren't going to bother that i'd never try to bother somebody in the middle of their season but the minute his season was over I was in his house uh, uh, three days later, and I flew from my home in Vermont. You know, nobody, so nobody was tracking me, and I flew commercial. <laughs> and so, but my point is, I was there, okay. And then, and we had a great conversation, and, and I knew he was really interested in our job. And then, I was having lunch down it with uh, Chip Howard, obviously a right hand man for me and Scott, um, down at a restaurant here in town. Just lunch, and about four or five days later after I'd first seen him and scrolls across the TV that Notre Dame had fired Tyrone Willingham. Mm. That's when the panic set in because mm. <laughs> in Urban's contract, the only school he didn't have a buyout for was Notre Dame. All right. He'd been at Notre Dame, et cetera, et cetera. I remember, uh, you know, we got our bill and I came back here. I went right over to see Bernie Matchin and I said, Dr. Matchin, I said, I got to go back to Utah and try to get this thing done. All right. Um, and so I got on a plane the next day. And went out there and had another great meeting with him. But he ended the conversation. He goes, uh, Notre Dame's coming out tonight. All right. So that, that's when the panic came in. Because now you don't control it anymore. You don't control right. it. Urban knew what we had to sell. You know, that's probably one of the worst night's sleeps I've ever, ever had in my, in my life. And then the next day, I went over to see Urban. He said, I'm, you know, walked across the room and shook my hand. He goes, I'm going to be a Florida Gator. And I just think the fact that we had so long to research it and had been out there twice you know, probably gave us a, a little bit of a leg up on, on Notre Dame. Um, and so I always tell people this day and age, I don't advocate for making coaching changes early. I don't, you know, coaching changes are hard. Any coaching change is hard. But to try to do that after the last game of the year and then try to get it done before signing date and right. all the things you have to do, it's really hard. You mm -hmm. know, I, you know, any time you can buy is helping you on the next search. And to me, that's what's most important. So, was that when you're you're saying which um, I, I think I've always liked what must be done eventually should be done immediately? Is that kind of where it came from that that year with with Ron and then and then going and getting Urban? Well, you know, I get credit for coming up with that saying, and I've always told people because I don't like don't pass the buck. You're getting credit. It's a great <laughs> saying. But you know, something I have this little thing in my office. I have uh, all these things that I had during my career 
little sayings and everything. And there's a newspaper article that I found back when I first became athletic director. So that, that thing is, you know, 30 years old. That's a Henry Kissinger saying. Mm. And Henry Kissinger said, and I have it underlined, I'm looking at it right now, what will be done eventually should be done immediately. And I always thought that, yes, you know, and I, I always thought that made sense because yeah. if you wait, let's just put it this way. And again, this is just an example. I'm not piling on, but obviously it was controversy that I let Ron go when he did. You know, he recruited very well. Obviously, you know that, right? Right. It's not like we weren't going, you know, we didn't go to Atlanta, but we were going to New Year's Day bowl games. You know, we beat Georgia twice. I mean, you know, so it wasn't, so maybe wait another year, okay? And if you do that, it's, you know, then Urban Meyer is at Notre Dame. And the history right. of has totally changed. Okay, so that's just an example of what you know what should be done eventually, will be done eventually, should be done immediately. Because at the end of the day, it's, it's not about the individual, which sounds selfish, but it's not. It's about the organization, and you're trying to do what's right for the organization. And obviously, sometimes that that means there's tough decisions. And obviously, my tough decision pales in comparison to the coach that has to hear it, have to deal with it, and their families. And I get that. I'm not minimizing that at all. But at the end of the day, I just think you got to do what you think is right for the organization because I think that's what you get paid to do. Uh, and then I'll t- I will defend you. I don't know if you think I've defended you ever uh, since I've been here. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of uh, people that that will not give you credit for that Urban Meyer hire, and that was Dr. Machin, and and he's the one that that got that done um, from people from talking to people and from hearing your story. Um, flex, I just flex on give, him, Mr. Foley. Give you, give you formal credit. That was a, a great hire. I mean, he was the the big name, but it's still a young coach who hadn't coached, you know, in what we now know as a Power Five, and you're still kind of taking a chance. Um, and uh, for all the message board posters and emailers that that want to give somebody else credit, I want to say uh, that was a great call and a, and a great hire on your part. And uh, uh, just give you the credit that uh, maybe the message boards don't. Well, I appreciate that. You know, and I'm not. It's the fact of the matter is, I know how that all came down. But the end of the day, the credits are irrelevant. Those two national championships are what um, what really meant the most to the University of Florida. There you go, flex on. How much does how much does a national? We hear about it all the time. But how much does a national championship just help the university? Well, Not even the UAA, the university. You know, first of all, it's so hard to do and um, mm-hmm. so much fun. But you know, it gives you so much attention to the university, University of Florida. You know, back in those days. Well, it's still the same. We haven't been in the CFP, but back in those days, you'd qualify for the BCS after Atlanta, which is the first week in December, and you're not playing until the second week or the first week in January. So for five weeks, all they're doing is talking about, you know, know, Ohio State or Oklahoma, but also Florida, 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 Mm -hmm. Florida, you know, ESPN every night. In the same way with March Madness, the longer you go, they're talking about you, and it helps your university. It helps, you know, they, they see your coaches, they see your athletes, they'll talk to Maybe a president, or maybe somebody who used to play here. It just gives you incredible exposure. So yeah, it's, it's 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 invaluable, and obviously it's invaluable for your alumni because it's a tremendous source of pride. And, and what is it like? What is it like for you as an athletic director um, when Becky wins? Um, when Rhonda won her first national championship? Um, we were out in in Omaha when Sully won his first one in, in seventeen. When Tim wins it, what's it like for you? Um, as the athletic director, to see those coaches win their first championship and knowing all the work that kind of goes into it. Yeah, you know, if, if you ask me, obviously I was blessed to have an incredible, 
you know, career here, incredible opportunity, you know, you know, being part of everything I was part of here and so many great things I enjoyed, but, you know, probably, you know, right at the top list, top of my list of what did you enjoy most about your job was that right there, hiring a young coach, you know, obviously not by myself. I had people help me get, but once they get in place, helping them, supporting them, you know, being part of what they're trying to build and watching how hard they work to do it. And, you know, it wasn't always easy. Some of the trials and tribulations, I mean, Scully went out there how many times and didn't go out and work out. And Tim, um, Tim went out there a number of times, didn't work out. And, and um, Billy lost the first time he played in it and then got knocked out in, uh, in, a, in the opening weekends. Everybody said, you know, Billy's overrated. To see it all come to fruition and knowing how it came to fruition and type of effort it took to make it happen, um, yeah, it's one of the, it's, you know, feeling it's incredible. It's a, it's a, it's a high that's kind of hard to imagine. It's one that lasts for, you know, you can't last too long because you got to worry about, the, you know, the next year or the next season or the next, um, the next uh, team. But um, it is, you know, those are memories of a lifetime. And I was blessed to have it more than once. So, like I said, I had a career that, um, that was incredible for that reason. Speaking of careers, uh, what do you think about your legacy? I called you the, 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 the GOAT athletic director, the greatest athletic director of all time. What do you what do you speak about and think about your legacy at uh, the University of Florida? You know, I got asked that when I stepped down, obviously. And, you know, legacies are determined by uh, other people. You know, obviously, I appreciate you saying that. But uh, Nick has people on, on Internet sites who think differently, right? And they're entitled to that opinion. I get that, right? I would think that the one thing that I, I'm obviously proud of all the championships, proud that, you know, we were never on probation. We, you know, we did things the right way. Uh, obviously, far from a perfect program, made a lot of decisions that didn't work out. Um, but, you know, when I probably my whole career, not so much my career as athletic director, but my whole career, when I first came to Florida, Florida was always, you know, wait till next year, what if, sleeping giant, I've pockets of success. Women's golf has some incredible success. Men's golf, incredible success. You know, swimming has some incredible success early on. But certainly the program isn't what it is today. And I'm talking about a national perspective. You know, we the best athletic program in America. That'd be a little arrogant. But if you want to put the best athletic programs in a hat, you can put in who you want. Ohio State, Texas, you know, USC, UCLA, Oklahoma, Alabama. You put whoever you want in there. But to have the bat, Florida has to be in that hat, okay? Talk so having the program elevated to that stature and expectation that we're going to stay there and have that bar like that, that's, you know, hopefully people will say, you know, I had something to do with that, you know, and that's, you know, obviously I hired a coach who didn't work out. I hired this coach who worked out. Yeah, you know, I have another thing over there on this on this bulletin board was on my office said, um, don't ever take yourself too seriously because 100 years from now, nobody will remember your name. All right. So mm. that's the truth. I mean, at some point in time, nobody's forgetting your name around here, uh, Mr. So, Foley. You anyway, about that. Yeah. So, part of the line is I'm really proud of where the program, where it was and where it is today. You know? All right. That's, that's a great, that's, that's a, that's a great thing for the University of Florida. And you know, something that you asked me is one of the things that shaped uh, me when I first became athletic director. You know, back then we were getting our teeth kicked in, probation twice firing coaches, et cetera, et cetera. The one thing that kept us all going around here is we knew this place could be really special because how could it not be? Incredible academic institution, incredible town, incredible state to live in, incredible alumni base, incredible booster base who buy your season tickets, support you financially. You know, we knew 
we had an opportunity to do some great things here. And that kept us going when things weren't as good as they needed to be. Perfect. Did Jeremy, you ever, think, did you ever think like we're the only ones that think that? Cause like you're on, like you said, you're on probation. It's wait till next year. It's just like no one else kind of saw it except for the people in that building. And you got, you guys just never, your faith never wavered. And we have something special here. We just haven't, the, the dominoes haven't fallen yet and they'll see. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I, I think you're exactly right. I'm not sure everybody saw that. I mean, we had a history of, of you know, things not happening the way we wanted to. All right. Mm-hmm. I also will tell you, and this is unequivocally the truth. The key component to all that and changing the dynamic and changing the way people felt and thought was in 1990 when we hired Steve Spurrier. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not only was he a winner, not only was he the, you know, the golden child of, call, of Florida athletics, you know, rightfully so, is that he came in here with no excuse mentality. You know, you know, you know, people used to say we couldn't win um, in Jacksonville. You know, we couldn't win there. You know, Steve would say we can't win there. It's called the Gator Bowl. That's what it used to be called. The Gator Bowl. <laughs> yeah. You know, we can't beat Georgia and Auburn back to back. You know, all he did is back to back his first year, back to back. Right. He's just a no excuse guy. His confidence bred confidence. You know, he, you know, he walked, you know, they, they say Steve has swagger. His opponents, the arrogance, I'd say swagger, confidence, and everybody felt it. All right. He comes in right off the bat and, you know, we win nine games the first year. We were conference champions. We just couldn't win it. Right. Next year, we won the first one ever. Next year, we're playing in the first ever SEC championship game in, in Birmingham. So the key to me, obviously, we hired Billy and, we, we had a different, we had a belief in here and a mindset that we could be great. But, um, you know, Coach Spurrier was the, the lead dog in making it feel like that could happen, in my opinion. Hmm. Jeremy, I want to ask you, so you you officially stepped down as athletic director in, in 2016. And here you are, you're still at the University of Florida six years later as athletic director emeritus. I think there's a lot of, you know, questions, I mean, and you know, more than anything, you know, just kind of curiosity about what your role is now and you know, your connection back to the University of Florida Athletic Department still. Yeah, well, I, you know, I think some people worry about that I'm, you know, have my hands and things or too much that I shouldn't. And, um, you, know, you know, from day one, first of all, the decision to step down was mine. Mm-hmm. Um, 25 years, I don't say that, just mine. It was, it was time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Scott Strickland and I have been friends for, I don't know, before you got hired here seven, eight years. Um, I was a strong advocate for his candidacy here. And I told him from day one, I said, Scott, um, I'm not trying to be the athletic director behind the curtain. You know, if I wanted mm-hmm. to still be the AD here, I, I still have years left on my contract. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so they put, I'm in an office nowhere near Scott's, but I'm here when he needs me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, any coach who comes by here that I, you know, I hired a bunch of these coaches and mm-hmm. sometimes they'll come by to pick my brain in terms of, um, you know, philosophy or culture or decision making or some things they have to deal with. You know, coaches are CEOs and sometimes they struggle with the CEO part. Mm-hmm. Uh, I help them do that. Um, you know, every once in a while, Scott will deal with something that's maybe new to him in terms of Florida Nation, Florida Nation, or at the University of Florida. You know, what what did I do? How would I handle that? What do I think? And you know, and my advice to him is just his advice, trying to help him. And um, you know, I told you I mentor some coaches. I do that around. I probably got about 14 or 15. It's kind of an organic. It's not a business. It's just my way of paying it forward. I don't charge anybody anything. I just um, 
I have some coaches around the country who call me for the same reason, just to pick my brain. Um, if they start complaining about their athletic director or something, then, then we're, they're talking to the wrong guy. I'm not having those conversations, okay? Or if they start complaining about their budget, they're talking to the wrong guy. That's not what we talk about, you know? Um, so I'm doing, a lot, I'm doing a little bit of that. I've gone, I'm speaking to some um, athletic programs. I'm going up to the University of Minnesota next week because the AD up there I've known for a while just wants me to speak to his staff and coaches about, you know, coaches about culture and, you know, winning and some of the things that not necessarily we did here, but what I saw Billy do or Herman do or Steve Spurrier do, you know, I've done that with, you know, five or six universities. I work with a couple of leadership groups around the country. I, I have a passion for, you know, trying to teach leadership. I do, I do some teaching over and I'm a guest lecturer over in health and human performance, um, mostly on leadership. And so um, Scott asked me to set up an emerging leaders program. You know, we put these people, I'm not talking about Linda and Chip and people at that level. They've been doing it for a long time, but we put some young bucks in the leadership roles, but where do they get, how do they learn how to be a leader? You know, and a lot of times on the training. So we put together an emerging leaders program where we do a program we're doing. Um, we've done six this year and um, Scott asked me to, to set that up for him. So I've been doing stuff like that. So, but I'm also living my life. You know, I have a home in Vermont and um, I get up there when I can and um but you know, some I told people, Nick, you were probably there, and you remember, I, you know, I never cut the cord from being a Gator. I mean, this is this is where this is my life's work, and I love the Gators, I love Gainesville, and um, but I, trust me, I understand, you know, right and wrong. You know, I understand that I don't insert myself where it doesn't belong. I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. It'd be unfair to everybody here. You know, I very seldom get out of this little office um, unless somebody wants me to come down to their office, right? Because I think it's appropriate for. You know, Scott's show, we let him run it. And obviously, you know, he doesn't need much help. He's doing a great job. Perfect. Nick, Corey, any final questions? No, no. Uh, uh, give me your, your, your celebratory moment, 96 National Championship, Steve Spurrier. Like, what was that like? You know, it, for, you know, incredible. For, you know, when I first got here, all we ever wanted to do was win one SEC championship in football in 1976. And obviously we won one in 91 and now 96 were national champions, obviously who we beat. Um, you know, I go to the press conference and I usually take the bus back to the hotel. Well, the, you know, it took forever. Everybody's doing interviews. I said, heck with this. I'm going to walk back to the hotel and that long, you know, probably a 10 minute walk. You would have thought that, um, you know, either Paul McCartney or Mick Jagger. <laughs> I was walking down the streets, and when people saw me, you would not believe it. I, there were no bad emails that night. <laughs> I mean, high fives and hugs and people crying. I mean, everybody who saw me just couldn't have been nicer to me. And, of course, I was already on a high, you know. So, I mean, it's like I floated above the sidewalk. I mean, I was I was as happy as they were. But it, it was an incredible um, – that 10-minute that walk is something I'll never forget. Never forget. Now people always ask me what was your favorite championship? We won 27 national championships when I, when I was AD. They're very hard to do. All of them were special. That one is is so memorable because I know what football means to this institution. Mm -hmm. I knew what it would mean to Gator Nation. I knew all the heartbreak <laughs> and to think that we were the national champions. Um, I mean, just for the Gator Nation, most incredible thing I've ever seen in my life. And um, like I said, never forget it. Somebody told me um, Coach Spurrier tried to go down to Bourbon Street that night, uh, and and that and that whole trip lasted about four and a half minutes before he realized that 
he couldn't go anywhere. And I think he put a hat on instead of a yeah, visor as his put, disguise. He puts on a hat and sunglasses. He thinks nobody can recognize him. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard that story too. I know he tried, uh, but I think he turned back around. I just stayed in the hospitality room at the hotel. We um, we had a we had an incredible night together. And then you know, some obviously it's fun celebrating with your fans, like I just described. But in the day to celebrate with the people who go to work every day, right. all the coaches you're with, and you know the Chip Howards of the world and Greg McGarrys of the world. I mean. Uh, I wouldn't trade those moments for anything. It's just um, those, those are memories of a lifetime. They really celebrate with the people you care most about. Mm. It's crazy that this uh, this 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 ride you've been on all started because you were a, a lazy grad student who hadn't secured an internship early <laughs> enough. You know, my dad, my dad used to give me grief about it because growing up, I grew up in New Hampshire. I grew up mm-hmm. a huge Boston Red Sox fan. I always wanted to work for the Red Sox. I always wanted to work professional baseball. That was my goal. But I had to finish his master's degree. He paid for it. So he said, son, you need to take this internship. And he drove me down here. And I, like, complained the whole way down. I really didn't want to come. I came down in an interview here in August or the end of July. I have never been in such heat in my life. I'm going, what am I doing? Uh, but, you know, so I tell that now to students. that You never know where the world's going to take you. And uh, right. obviously the world took me in a – on an incredible journey and um, one I wouldn't trade for anything. You know, um, uh, you one of my press conferences, I said I wanted to be the GM of the Red Sox and I got to be the GM of the Gators. So it, it was a pretty good ride for me, no question about it. Not a bad trade-off. Well, Mr. Fuller, we absolutely appreciate your time this evening, hanging out far longer than we uh, expected. And we, we absolutely appreciate that. And thank you for everything that you did uh, on behalf of the three of us. Um, on behalf of Gator Nation, thank you for everything that you did and your continued work to support uh, the University of Florida and the Florida Gators Athletic Department. Well, it's my pleasure. I thank you for having me. It was fun going down memory lane. And, um, you know, Corey, I'm going to go find that email you sent me, okay? <laughs> there's, there's many. There's many. It probably was me, man. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> you guys are the best. Take care. We'll see you around the yard, okay? Right, thank, you. Thank, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Jeremy Foley. 40 minutes, man. Man. Bro, and, and he found out. The, how many how many different aliases did Silk have emailing Jeremy? Man, it depends on which hire, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, let's get into the uh, the meat and potatoes of that show. That's a hell of an appetizer uh, to get us started. Man, we got a pot. <laughs> yeah, we got <laughs> now, now you got a pot? Yeah, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Now we got a pod for a little while. But uh, thank you, Jeremy Foley. And Linda Teeler for joining us uh, this evening. Uh, really great. Uh, it's like going people. on a field trip and coming back to do like math. <laughs> yeah, yeah field trip didn't end at the end of the school day, right? It was right, one of those right. Oh, field you, you just got back from the Museum of Discovery and Science, and now that's you're in, right. now you're in math class. Yeah, that's oh, right. Just, um, well, let's happen. give a quick shout out to a new sponsor of Stadium and Gale. You've heard of them before. We welcome our friends from Alumni Hall to the Stadium and Gale podcast. So if you are looking for apparel brands like Nike, Cutter and Buck, Columbia, Peter Millar, Champion, go check out Alumni Hall. They are on Archer Road in Gainesville, or you can visit them at alumnihall.com. Use promo code SG20 and get 20% off of your order now until June 15th. So visit alumnihall.com, use promo code 20 sg Get 20% off of your order when you order from alumnihall.com. All right, boys, let's pod a little bit. A quick announcement. Um, It is worth noting the Gators have now beaten FSU 
this season in basketball, football, baseball, women's basketball, and men's and women's women's tennis twice each. So congratulations to the University of Florida. Nick, it's another week of practice under our belt. Uh, we do have an announcement before we get into uh, the actual football practices that you've been attending uh, that redshirt freshman tight end Gage Wilcox uh, did suffer a, a career-ending injury, ending his time at the University of Florida. He will stay on scholarship uh, through the duration of that time period. Uh, so we certainly wish the best uh, to an 813 legend, Gage Wilcox. Um, He's a legend? Well, just in the 813. I don't hey. know. You know, you say it about everybody from the five, six, one. It's just Dan's just taping for Tampa. That's right. Just, uh, I say it about everybody. I listen to your other podcast, Corey. Um, all right, Nick, uh, give us the uh, a weekend review of uh, Florida Gator <laughs> football practice. Yeah. Um, had the first uh scrimmage, second scrimmage will be this week. Um, I think what we're seeing right now is, um, especially in some of the comments and I wanted to get into this uh, that Billy Napier is making. I think you take over a program, you're, you're given a group of guys and, and uh, the transfer portal is definitely changing things. You know, you really get like two different free agency periods. So you probably look at the depth chart and you haven't seen any of these guys play yet, but you look at the depth chart and you say, okay, well we might need some help here. And, and that first free agency, that first free agency period, you're like, okay, well, we need a linebacker just because we don't have the numbers that we want. Right, right, and right. then you go and you see guys on the field and you say, okay, we're going to be uh, strong buyers in the next free agency period at several positions. Now that you've seen what guys have, and that's not to say that guys stink, um, that the recruiting was bad. It's you're running a completely different offense and defense, and you might need different skill sets to run that the way that you want to. Um, it's not just going to be Florida, uh, Notre Dame, LSU, Oklahoma, um, any school that had a coaching change is going to be going through the same thing. So right now I had Florida at 91 scholarships. If you take Wilcox and Emory Jones off, they're at 89, which means you have to have four transfers out of the program just to get to the 85. Uh, and then Billy said that they're going to be very aggressive in the portal, which means you're going to see uh, a, a pretty large attrition number of guys leaving Florida would be my estimation. I think you're going to see that um, kind of across the country at, at these programs that um, that have had, you know, coaching changes. So I think Florida is probably on track to where they need to be. I, I, I wondered how much you get accomplished. You know, when you're, when you're going into a scrimmage and you've only had seven practices, so you haven't installed everything. I wonder how much you get accomplished in that first scrimmage. Um, versus the second and then, you know, the third scrimmage, which is the spring game. Um, and every every college, you know, college is different than the NFL. You're getting so much attrition with graduation, transfers, things like that. But uh, to, to be a first-year coach, first year in a program, you're going to have even more, um, you know, of those growing pains and, and installation. So um, you're on track. It's probably not where everyone wants the program to be, but you're – nine practices in nine spring practices into um, a whole new era. So it's uh, progress is a slow process. Well, you hear about running back, man. Um, I hear some good things about that room. That's, uh, that's probably one of the more uh, 
deeper and talented rooms, in, in my opinion. And and I think I've said it on the podcast before. When we were it feels like this, right? Like every shift, yeah. like one room. I'm going to let you finish. I'm sorry, Nick. It, feel, no, it feels like that. Like, remember when, when McElwain was leaving, we said our wide receiver room wasn't that good. And then Mullen came in, and all those guys just turned out to be really and in, yeah. in the league now doing good. Swain and everybody else on that 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 uh that roster. So uh running back room, of course, got infused with some 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 talented guys, but we didn't get to see them until to now. Uh and hearing some great things. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, I think um <clears throat> I think Lorenzo, I think we're finally gonna see Lorenzo Lingard. And and you know. You always hear about guys in the spring and then the season comes and you never hear about them again. Um, but I think this will be the time for Lorenzo Lingard. Um, I think Demarcus Bowman is another guy. I, I Maybe I would, maybe they're just like trying to calm expectations down. Cause I was really high on Montreal Johnson. I mean, almost 900 yards as a freshman, 12 touchdowns. Um, and I thought he would step right in and, and be the, the first team back. He, yeah, he has experience in this offense. He knows, what to expect. He knows the playbook. Um, but I think, you know, right now with Naquan just, just returning to practice last Saturday uh, in a very limited role also um, just for individual drills, I think right. Lingard and Bowman are ahead of Johnson and, and, and maybe the, you know, the coaching staff saying, Hey, listen, like he's still young. He's still 19 years old. He's well, they, more, be they, they also were like five stars coming out of high school. Like, people yeah, I mean, Bowman, like, Lingard, like, five stars. I, yeah. I, I, the uh, message board doesn't forget that. They, they didn't forget that when, you know, Malik Davis and uh, was getting carries and where is Lingard and where's Bowman? How can you not give right. these guys the ball? Um, I think you'll see uh, all three of those guys really. And then four, including Naquan Wright. Um, it's, it's, and as I look at, the tight end room, which now has two defensive linemen participating uh, in the room. Um, and as I look at the receivers, I, I, I don't know that I've seen um, a receiver room like this. I'm trying to be nice. A receiver room like this since I've been covering Florida. Uh, so, so I think Nick, this is the I, I worst want- receiver room I've ever covered. And then when you look at how deep the running backs are, and I think the offensive line will be good. I'm like the, yeah, the percentage of run to pass in my mind continues going up. Uh, so 60, 40, 60, 65, 35. No. Go so ahead, if you want to get a thought off, I just got a question for Nick. Go ahead. No, no go ahead. Actually. No, cause uh, I'm, so, I'm, I'm so, asking him a question too. So Nick, I've oh. got a question about tight end or uh, about wide receivers. Pardon me. Um, I, I've, I've heard we ain't this. Got no tight ends. Yeah. Besides, oh. besides the fact that we don't have any tight ends. I want to talk about wide receivers first. Put Desmond uh, there. <laughs> I'm sure Spencer would love that. Um, that's a jumbo package. That's right. Um, Nick, I, I, I do want to wide end. Got to change the name of the position. <laughs> um, about wide receiver. So it doesn't seem like Florida recruited poorly at wide mm-hmm. receiver if you're looking at stars, right? right? And if you're looking at just the way that that room is made up, there seems to be a very large gap about or between what people kind of anticipated about a lot of these guys to what you guys that are watching practice now and then what you're hearing from practice now is there seems to be a, a super large gap. Is it a lack of development? Is it too many of the same guys? Is it just, they didn't recruit a lot of speed. So they just kind of look slow. Well, what is it about the wide receiver room that just makes it look as bad as it's been in 10 years in your eyes? Well, well, here's one. Um, I think, and this is something even Shannon Terry, who, who started rivals started two, four, seven started um, on three, 
he's never going to say stars don't matter. He's, he's created three businesses that hand out stars. Mm -hmm. I think what we've seen in, in the last five, six, seven years is the number of five stars aren't really, isn't really growing. The number of four stars are growing. And I think if you're only looking at stars and like, Hey, well, he was a four star. Mm. Okay. Well, should he have been a three star? Mm. Um, So I don't know if, if, if the recruiting rankings, when it comes to four stars, especially low end four star guys, um, you know, everyone wants to pump up that number and, and where'd you finish? Are you in the top 10 and four stars are going to do that for you? Um, so I don't know that the four stars of today are the same as they, they were 10 years ago. Mm. Um, you know, I think there's, I think that pool has kind of gotten muddied a little bit. Um, I don't know that it isn't development because Billy, no one, no one was down on Billy, on um, Billy Gonzalez's recruiting. Um, and he certainly has a history of developing uh, wide receivers. I just don't see the guys that Florida has right now. Like I, I don't see a guy that's quick in space. Like I don't know who you put in the slot. I, I don't see guys getting open. There's no slot, man. Billy only got big ass receivers. So we got mm-hmm. a bunch of big physical receivers. I don't even know if they're physical. They're just big at this point. Uh, I want to be asked what... to block a lot. Yeah. So they big. <laughs> But this is this is my question, Nick. So if you do like like he said he wanted to get very active in the portal. So mm-hmm. like how do you how do you process these kids? Because if you got a room full of bad wide receiver and you want to make that room more explosive in the um in, in the portal, uh, you gotta get rid of some people. Yeah, there's there's multiple ways to do that. And this isn't just a Florida thing. I don't want to think, you know, like like Billy Napier is acting oh, in bad yeah. faith. This is football. Um you, you make you make things very clear to people. And, and listen, sometimes a guy will be told. Um, Hey, if you want to play football, it's not going to be here. Here's the depth chart. Here's what, where you are. You're not going to go up unless these seven guys ahead of you, uh, get hurt. And some guys will be like, yeah, I'm just happy to be here. My girlfriend's here. I like Gainesville. I like the school. I'm just happy to be here. Keep throwing me a Jersey. And then you might get a conversation. All right. Well, if you are happy to be here, we're going to use that scholarship that you are on for somebody else next year. You can be a walk-on on the team if you want to stay. Um, the common misconception, I think it started when Will Muschamp said um, back when he was at Florida, we're going to be offering four-year scholarships. And that's not a real thing mm-hmm. for anybody. Um, Tim Tebow, when he was on scholarship at Florida, in the summer between his freshman year and his sophomore year, had to go and re-sign his, his paperwork to be on financial aid scholarship for the next year. So there's no such thing as a four-year scholarship. Um, for instance, Florida has two long snappers on scholarship. Uh, one that was recruited, one that was given a scholarship at the end of spring because it was available. Florida won't have two scholarship long snappers uh, in the 2022 season. They're just um, saving dogs some bread right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like and, and right. So it's basically a one-year contract that you're on when, when you sign that fi- those financial aid papers. Um, Which and, is good information me. because the average average person thinks this is like a four-year deal. And these kids, man, you get a four-year guaranteed education. No. And that's just not the case. It's not that type no, of No, not at all. Not at all. Um, and and th- those are conversations, like I said, they're, like the portal is going to get refilled back up and it's not all going to be Florida. Um, mm-hmm. So those are conversations that are going to be had. Some kids will just see the writing on the wall. Hey, I want to play more. It's not going to be here. Mm-hmm. Do I have to transfer down uh, or, or can I transfer within the conference or to another power five school? Um, some kids are just going to see that want to play more. Um, one of Florida's redshirt freshman quarterbacks, I wouldn't be surprised if either one of them decided to transfer. Cause if you're looking at quarterbacks, you're thinking, 
Well, Anthony Richardson could leave after this year, but he could stay potentially for two more seasons. Jack Miller is still young and has a lot of eligibility. Billy Napier is going to be recruiting his guys. I, I didn't, he didn't recruit me. He didn't sign me. Um, so those are guys that, that might be on transfer watch. And then you get into a situation at quarterback where do you want to have to, you want to have to keep taking two. I mean, mm-hmm. go back to John Brantley and Cam Newton, like taking two quarterbacks, two talented quarterbacks in the same class hasn't worked out well for Florida. Um, uh, uh, Jeff Driscoll and Jacoby Brissett, like one of them, they both ended up transferring, but you end up getting one guy transferring. So um, those are some of those conversations will be hard. Some of those conversations aren't even a conversation. It's just a, a player coming to the coach and saying, mm-hmm. Hey, I want to play more. It doesn't look like it's going to happen here. The coach says you're right. Uh, you know, and, and then you, you part ways. So I think there's going to be a lot of those uh, business decisions made, whether it's initiated by the staff or by the player. So, so Nick, we're, we're thinking that there's going to probably be eight, nine transfers in, at least when I hear very active in the portal, those are numbers that I think, I don't know if I read that somewhere or if Billy Napier said that regardless, obviously Florida needs help in the wide receiver room. Obviously Florida needs help at tight end. Where else do you see Florida trying to utilize and and trying to level up? Obviously everywhere you're going to try to get the best player available, but where else do you see Florida really trying to level up? Um, you probably have to start, you know, uh, you can start eliminating positions. Like, Hey, you're, you're set at, at quarterback, unless mm-hmm. you have, you know, to leave, you're set at running back. Um, you clearly need help at tight end, even when, uh, maybe you don't need a transfer tight end because you're going to get Elksness and Odom back. Um, you've got three freshmen coming in, but how quickly do they acclimate? Um, if you took a transfer tight end, it would probably be like a graduate transfer. Someone yeah, that's just that's only going to be here a year. You don't need uh, you know, somebody sitting on a scholarship for three years at tight end. Um, I think when you start looking at defense, I would like some help at tackle. Uh, well, you skipped you, over you wide might, receiver. Why? Well, I mean, that's, I mean, that's clear. Uh, you, you well, what, I mean, what do you, what do you, what are you thinking? I mean, I guess I want specifics from you, Nick. I need you to put yourself out there. Yeah, man. More. Hey, um, more detail, bro. You gotta, <laughs> so you're, you're looking on? at what probably slot. I mean, what are you thinking? I, I think you need, yeah, I think you need, I think you need someone like, um, like we've, I've been told that family Graham is, is like a purely a developmental guy, but you need someone in that mold, a, a, a shiftier, quicker, um, slot guy. I think Florida has a lot of guys that are possession receivers, guys who are fast in a straight line. Um, I haven't seen them be able to get open. So you're looking for something that you don't have. You're looking for a, a guy that can create space that can get off the line of scrimmage without getting jammed and, um, and can get open. You're looking for a guy that you can get the ball into his hands in space and, and on a screen and, and, and have those bigger guys that you already have on scholarship and on the roster block for them. Um, I don't think you have that. I think two, adding two receivers, like you have a, a pretty deep room. I mean, you've got Weston and Reynolds and um, Henderson and Shorter. Like you've got a bunch of guys in that room, but I think adding two or three receivers in, in that are in a different mold um, would really benefit Florida um, defensive tackle. I think you need help and, and, and that's long-term help. Cause like Javon Dexter is not going to be here in 2023. Um, Brent Cox isn't going to be here in 2023. Princely Umalelan only has one more year. Like you, the whole defensive line is going to need some more guys. Um, and whether that's in recruiting or in the transfer portal. Um, and, and then I think at linebacker too, you know, you're, 
you're set with Ventrell Miller this year, but he's gone. Um, Dewan I think that'd be fine. I'm not worried about them recruiting. And I think I'm worried about now more than like the future. I think they're going to be fine. These guys can recruit, right? I'm not going to worry about them getting bodies. I'm concerned about this year. What we what, what do we put on the field receiver wise, mm-hmm. uh, uh, defensive tackle wise? I mean, the safety position is sounding like it's solidified. Do we got that figured out with Dean and, and Torrance? Yeah, those. I mean, those those were the the two guys uh, that you thought would start going into the spring, and they've done nothing to to change that. Those. The, I mean, Trey Dean was actively recruited by Patrick Tony, who is the safeties coach, to come back to school. I mean, Emory um, said that too. So, uh, well, I think they looked at at the quarterback position and thought, well, I'm just saying, Anthony man. can't play. Anthony can't play. He's just um, saying, Nick. They were looking at numbers. They were he's looking at saying. numbers versus, I mean, there's a bunch of safeties. He's not saying, he's just saying, you know? <laughs> just I'm saying. not saying, just saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I think that's a totally different uh, scenario and situation with Emery and Trey and, and their, their recruitments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think safety, you're, you're set with those two. Um, to me, I still want to see more, you know, 11 on 11. What does the defense look like? Because you're, do you have six defensive backs that you feel really comfortable with? Jadarius Perkins um, has been on crutches. I'm not sure what the injury is, but he's not practicing anymore. Um, Avery Helm is having a good um, a good spring. I think, nice. you know, Trevez Johnson is a guy that, that I've, I've heard has had a couple of interceptions. Um, he's another guy. Like, how many – how many defensive backs do you feel comfortable with? If you've got um, Jason Marshall starting, trading starting, Rashad Torrance starting, that's three. Who are the other three that you feel really good with? I think Jaden Hill, obviously, is still in a non-contact jersey, not going you know full one hundred percent, but I think he's a guy that we were all really excited about heading into last year before he before he tore his ACL. Um, what will he look like coming back? Avery Helms, a guy having like I said, having a good spring. But who are the other three guys that you feel comfortable with being in a steady rotation back there? I think you named every position, but uh, but running back and quarterback, so and offensive line. And, and so. I think offensive line is is good. You could get a transfer in there. I think right now, sure, left to right, um, Josh Brown being the sixth guy. So left to right, you'd have uh, Richard Garage, Ethan White, Kingsley. Um, Right guard is Osiris Torrance, and then right tackle being Michael Tarquin. And I think, you know, Josh Braun is a guy right now only practicing at, at right guard, um, but has experience playing right tackle. Those are your six, you know. In a perfect world, you have 10, um, right. you know, and, and you've got a backup for every position. And, and in a perfect world, you probably have 11 because you probably go three deep at, at center. Mm-hmm. Um, Jake Slaughter is a guy, that, and Jake Slaughter and Richie Leonard are the – uh, two centers behind Kingsley. So I think right now Florida probably feels Rob sale probably feels really good about six offensive linemen. Um, if there's an offensive lineman in the transfer portal, I mean, you already mm-hmm. took two in the transfer right. portal. Uh, but if there's an offensive lineman in the transfer portal that you think can give you depth right away, um, that would be another, another take they'd have. I heard, oh, they have Torrance in the starting uh, rotation. What, what, how is weights looking? Yeah. Um, I think he's developmental. He, I mean, physically, he's very huge. impressive, very yeah. impressive. He, like he makes everyone else on the offensive line look small. Um, I don't know if he can block people though, Nick. Yeah, he's he's been working. 
That's uh, pretty. pretty <laughs> big he's, he's asking pretty about job responsibilities. Yeah. Pretty big attribute to have. I mean, he's a freshman. Um, I, I don't think he's ready yet. Um, he certainly is the first guy you let get off the bus, though, um, when, when you pull up to the stadium. Um, but I think he's uh, developing right now, and he still needs to play with better pad level. I mean, he's six. He's all of six foot eight. Um, needs to play with better pad level and play more consistently. Um, but I mean, still a young kid, still developing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think I have been impressed with Rob Sale. He's got uh, a little gruff to him, as mm-hmm. a lot of offensive line coaches. At, at, Literally every offensive line coach not named Mike Summers that I've covered has had that kind of same. Please don't ever <laughs> utter that name on this podcast again. <laughs> has had that same kind of gruff to him. Um, but uh, as I've been told, the offensive line room is a much happier uh, and, and peaceful place. Um, and they're enjoying the kind of coaching they're getting. Yeah, and they seem to be getting a lot more, obviously, hands-on coaching. You have two of them plus all your GAs and other folks that are um, unofficially providing coaching feedback to these guys. Yeah, um, very, very, very unofficially. Yeah. Um, Silk, I want to get your thoughts. We, we've talked about it briefly on this show, but it's a, uh, a thread on on three that I saw that's gotten quite a bit of attraction. Um, and it's the idea of, of Billy Napier as head coach, offensive coordinator and QB coach. Um, you think that that's something that, that sticks around for, for year two or, or what are you, what are your thoughts on kind of having all three responsibilities? I think it's a model that that's kind of like you kind of set. Oh, mm-hmm. You have to start firing people to kind of remodel this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested to see how it plays out because he's trying something different. I don't want to just like I remember when Urban Meyer came to the SEC and people thought the spread was stupid. So mm-hmm. uh, I want to see if he has something new um, as far as like the support staff and and the uh, the, the brains that he have around the quarterback position or play calling how he does things before I, I judge, but. Uh, yeah, I was on record in, in mm-hmm. the beginning saying I didn't I didn't like that that he was uh, OC quarterback coach. I wanted to OC in the building, um, or in the in the booth calling calls. I don't know. In some fashion, I wanted an OC, and we really mm-hmm. don't have one. I mean, they could probably give Rob Sell a title for make, to make make people feel better, but I don't think that's what we're looking for as as fans in that mm-hmm. role. Uh, I think it's just some of the, it's just it's it's a uh, it's a three year project. I think yeah. they're not doing this for a one-year thing, man. Uh, mm-hmm. I think people, as far as that part of the part of the program and that nuance of, of, of what Billy got going, people have to be a little bit patient um, with that. That's what it is. We have to wait and see what happens because we don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are complaining right now um, as far as like recruiting and uh, is that affecting our quarterback recruiting? Um, him being OC quarterback coach, uh, one stop all. Um, we don't know. We just got to watch it all play out, right? Um, I don't want to just, yep. just, just guess shit. Mm-hmm. Nick, do part you of that is <laughs> prognosticator is, is what uh, the, the job title for, for guessing shit would be. You are a prognosticator. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, prognosticate yeah. over the guess crowd right now. Get some shit for us. Um, it's a lot. It seems, it seems like that's, a, that's a Thanksgiving plate and not a Vari mm-hmm. plate. That That's a full Aww. plate of responsibility uh, right. for, for Billy Napier and is it too much because this is I don't, a bigger I, level but he's seen it he's seen it happen and mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's how he's he's managing it I don't think like it's more work it's mm-hmm. how he's delegating well you've got 876 people in the building exactly to delegate, right to yeah delegate some of exactly we got to see if the way the, this whole 
whatever he's trying to build is different than we've seen staffs built. So we mm-hmm. got to see if he's on to something, you know, like he got a lot of staffers. So we can't yeah. think that he has a lot on his plate. People, people that innovate, people, people that innovate are usually called crazy while they're innovating. And, and we'll see if right. he's crazy for doing all this or if he's an innovator. And yeah. uh, I, my guess, my early money would be that he's innovating and you'll see a bunch of other uh, programs start to add these people. Like, like I said, it's when you get into the analysts and hiring analysts, it's uh, the wild, wild west. There's really no limits on how many you can have. There's limits on can they coach on the field and mm-hmm. things like that. But then how many NCAA, uh, you know, uh, investigators are being sent to Florida's 11th spring practice. Uh, right. Or Georgia's right spring now. practice. Yeah. Uh, that <laughs> LSU is keeping keeping them keeping busy. them busy. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, so that's interesting to me. But uh, the Steve Spurrier quote always sticks out to me. He said, um, "You know, if you're hired as a head coach because you were great at calling ball plays, don't give that up. Mm-hmm. Um, you you got the job because you were good at something, and then you're going to get that job, that dream job, that next step, and be like, all right, well, that's too much responsibility. I'm going to give it to somebody else because." Uh, you know, I forget the president. You'll remember Dan. Uh, the buck stops yes. here. The the buck stops here. It's it's whether you win or lose, it's not going to be somebody else's fault. That falls on the head coach's desk. Um, sure. Is it more responsibility? You. Yes, but you've also, like you said, so you've got a bunch of people that are mm-hmm. delegating, recruiting responsibilities, um, and, and uh, you know, scouting responsibilities. That's all being delegated. Yeah, if I think I that's thought- a. I think that's a Harry S. Truman quote, which just a, a bit of a factoid, Nick. Um, his middle initial is, or his middle name is just the letter S. There's no period after it. It's just the letter S. He thought that he needed that is, to add. He thought he some, needed to add that to add some more distinguishing uh, features to his name. So go ahead. I'm gonna say that sounds like some old white money kind of thing. Like there's not even a real name. It's just like, hey, we needed an initial. So go ahead with your thoughts. <laughs> 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 I, I don't. I don't know the origin story behind if it. I, if I if I thought uh, Billy was, it's just on paper. Like I think people. If yeah. I in my, in my mind, if I thought he was handling the OC, the quarterback, everything by himself, yeah, well, I would think he's nuts. But that's not what I think. So mm-hmm. I, I just want to see, like I said, if if what he's trying to do, if it works, or or you know, or if it doesn't. <laughs> that's yeah. it. That's what we got with it. And how much of the game planning is his versus how how much of it is a collaborative effort? And sure. uh, not to give PTSD, um, but John Hevesy, Billy uh, Gonzalez, and Dan Mullen uh, a couple times said, you know, we all speak the same language. And it's like you don't even really need to have a big conversation when it comes to a game planning because we're all looking at it the same way. And, and there's some new people on staff, but Darnell Stapleton uh, was with Billy the last two years, I think, at UL, or at least one year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob Sale has worked with Billy at a number of stops. Um, I, I think you've got some familiarity with, hey, we know what coach likes to do. We know our position groups, and we can tell him, hey, our position group can't do this right now. Sure. Um, and I think that will be a collaborative effort. Um, you know, when it comes to game planning, I think, you know, the ultimate say – uh, on game day, X's nose and, and calling plays in. I think that will be Napier, but I think that it's not like Billy Napier locking himself in the office and doing everything mm-hmm. on his own. Yeah. Uh, Cam put something in there that the S in Harry S. Truman stands for Silk. So there it is. Hey, Never mind. Harry, Harry Silk Truman. I love uh, it. Yeah, I fact, thanks for the fact check, Cam. Yeah. Thanks, Cam. I got, I got, always, a, I got a vet. 
I got to vet Harry Truman before you could just throw Silken in his name like that, Cam. I don't know if you and him would align on a lot of things. So I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to vet a deceased ex-president yeah, before yeah, he yeah. can use my nickname. Okay. I just had Foley on the show, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. It's all about legacy, right? Oh man, um, I He's do want to. God, man. <laughs> I do want to announce a couple hires. I don't think that we've done so yet. Uh, Jordan Harold comes back. He came back a few weeks ago from Ohio State. He was previously with Florida. Oh, shit, he back? Yeah, went back to Ohio State for about six months, and then uh, back to the University of Florida um, as a, I, I didn't unfollow him, so we cool. So. Yeah, um, assistant director of creative media. Uh, football recruiting so uh welcome back jordan uh, i didn't think that we mentioned that so uh sierra griffin is joining billy napier staff as an on-campus recruiting coordinator uh and then uh duran uh wilson is going to be joining uf uh, as a quality control coach uh, working on cornerbacks um he previously worked at mcneese state uh, where he was the defensive coordinator um previously to that he was at uh, university of texas san antonio where he worked with patrick tony um, during uh, his first two years at uh, at UTSA. So welcome uh, to the team. And then Sierra Griffin uh, comes to Florida from Auburn um, and the University of Miami where she was a football creative intern. Um, want to mention, Nick, I know that there's a couple other names that are associated. I want to see if you had any update and feel free to just say no and we can move on. I know that there was some connection about Larry Williams potentially uh, joining the staff and then potentially Russ Calloway as well. So I was wondering if you had heard uh, any more about those two. No. Okay, perfect. <laughs> um, so speaking of recruiting, Nick, um, you know, we did have a lot of recruits on, on campus this past weekend, but uh, the internet was kind of taken by storm on Saturday night uh, by Trey on who's the number five ranked cornerback on, on three tweeting. Why not Florida? He was asked by the coaches. Why not Florida? Uh, it really took off um, really seemed to kind of galvanize a message amongst really everybody in Gator nation. Um, any thoughts? I mean, what would you guys think as the tweets started rolling? Silk, I know you were at a concert, but uh, you probably saw the next day. Um, I'll go first. I'm, Silk will probably have a bit. I saw I a lot of people. Oh, good. My bad. I thought you, I saw I thought you were throwing at me when you said Silk. My bad. No, no, no. I'll go. I said I'll go <laughs> first so because you'll probably have a, a, a longer thought than I will. Um, probably not. I thought it's fine. Like, you, you, there's a bunch of things that you try in recruiting that work and you don't know kind of what goes on behind the scenes, but I saw a lot of people complaining, like why is Florida doing this? The university of Florida shouldn't have to do this for one recruit. I have to, I'm contractually obligated. I spent a lot of time on message boards. I spent a lot of time on social media. There's a lot of angry people. About, about why not Florida? Like what am I missing? Tell me what I'm missing. So I can I be say, mad too. I like I'm being mad. It. I'm missing. <laughs> I, won't be I, mad, like, I like being mad. Yeah, like, I want to be a mad fan too. But what I don't know what I'm missing. So a, a player tweeted, "Why not Florida?" And then like the coaches and and everybody else kind of got involved. I don't I think understand. People just the thought problem. it was gimmicky. I guess I thought, yeah, it's whatever. No, man, it's recruiting, word. man. It's social media. It's trending. You got to do that shit, man. That's that's a part of it. This is a part of the game. Mm -hmm. Like, what are people talking about? This this has been gimmicky and corny. Like, I don't know what they've been. You've been seeing. Dabble not, with cool kids, like the goofy stuff he does. Uh, uh, Harbaugh had a sleepover with a, a punter or some shit. Like, well, I mean, that's, are doing hey, that's wild things. Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 you Nick do would do that for free. 
Do what you got to do to get the punter. <laughs> Nick's knocking on the doors of punters right now, saying, "Hey, you I'm, just try, I'm just trying to get. I'm just trying to get that all expenses paid vacation to to Australia. Uh, it's probably not called a vacation, the work trip to Australia." Oh man, I guess my thoughts on it are: I soak. You make a good point. I don't know why everybody was kind of up in arms about it. They thought it was goofy. It's social media, um, man. but it's social media, and these kids want it. They want the retweets. They want the edits. They want everything about it. It doesn't bother you. It doesn't affect you. Uh, but I was surprised to see how up in arms some people were. And I guess it goes back to the Jeremy Foley hot take thing, right? Like everybody wants to get their take off. Um, but it does seem like there was a, a weird, I don't know if it's like a PTSD thing or, or what it is, but it does seem like anytime Florida tries to do something to kind of either galvanize the fan base or something, there's that, there's that loud, but maybe small group in the, in the corner of the office calling it weird. So um, but definitely, you know, something that, that took the internet by uh, by storm Saturday and or uh, Saturday night and Sunday. What did sixteen year old kids say? They seemed to like it, right? Like the, yeah, the yeah, he retweeted yeah. everything. I think. Yeah, and that's all that matters. Bro. Yeah, that's all that matters. Oh, Bunch man. of mad forty year olds don't matter. <laughs> um, <laughs> they are without the recruit them as fans. They are already fans. We trying to get these yeah. players, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do want to make an announcement. Uh, Lake Gibson's head coach, uh, Keith Bearfield, and you're probably wondering why we're talking about this. Florida does have uh, a couple of uh, major recruits that they're recruiting from Lake Gibson, including uh, five-star Cormani McLean. Um, but like Gibson head coach, Keith Bearfield, who uh, worked with Billy Napier at the university of Louisiana Lafayette, um, as a quality control coach, I believe, um, it was, was let go today. Uh, a lot of people are connecting him back to Florida. Um, Nick, I'm not sure if you've heard this news or if you've done any digging on this news, it, it seems odd. Like Gibson goes six or eight and four last season, um, seems primed for another good season. Um, you think there's a connection back to UF there or? Yeah, I'd, I'd like violations or some shit you got, think, right? Yeah, I think you got those are the kind out. of guys I need. Coach Pira <laughs> had him too, you know. Yeah, I think, no, but I don't uh, think he was. I don't think he. Was, I don't know where the rumor came from with Florida to be like. I don't know how true that is, but I okay. don't know how pro Florida he was at Lake Gibbs. I think Miami felt good about that coach being there. Hmm. Is what I'll say. Yeah, very good. Yeah, so no, I know nothing about it. it. Just something that's that why it confused me. Then when when the Florida the, the the Florida him maybe coming to Florida as a coach kind of confused me when that when that popped up as a rumor on Twitter or whatever, because Miami felt good about like Mario and all them. Everybody that whole crew felt good about him. Um, in terms of being hired at Florida or joining Florida staff, I think you'd have to look into why you were. Like like you said, Dan, it looks like you had some good things going at Lake Gibson. Why were you not retained there? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and do some backward, some some back back channeling and figure out what's going on there before you you get hired on. Certainly, can we getting, still recruit there? Um, if 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 we hire him, well, how does that rule work? I seen somebody some well, people arguing well, about he, that. He Twitter. would not. He would not be. Um, he would not be an on the field coach. I, but I, I also know. think that I, there's I, a, there's I, a two year rules, my understanding, about being able to if you get hired, you know, from a high school about talking to your players directly or recruiting from that school directly. So would he not be able to if they, yeah if if Cormani yeah. McLean comes on campus? Hey, you got to keep him away from Cormani. Oh, the school can still the school can still recruit at that Correct. high school. Yeah, he yes. just oh. that individual oh, easy, just can't easy. have contact. Which you know, if you go run into each other in the football wait, wait. tunnel, if you run yeah, into yeah. each other on the football field at practice, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, how are you doing? All right, you know. Yeah. Um, 
but I mean, we know how the game's played. I was just kind of curious. I saw it uh, on the timeline today. So I uh, just wanted to, to get y'all's thoughts. If you had heard anything, uh, final, if he gets fired for anything egregious, I don't think Florida's finna, finna, finna uh, hire him. It's my take. But I don't know why he got fired. So I did see some people poke ways, shots to them guys out of poke counter report. It was some type mm-hmm. of violations. All right. Well, we will stay abreast to Lake Gibson football over the next couple of weeks. Um, Tyree Appleby, fifth-year senior, former Florida Gator point guard, um, has announced that he will be transferring for his final year. I think that that was expected, um, but the official announcement of him going to the transfer portal came out today. I uh, want to give a congratulations to former Florida Gator golfer TJ Vogel, who won the Corn Ferry Club Car event this weekend. So congratulations to TJ Vogel. Uh, men's track and field really getting into the heart of their season, currently ranked number three in the country. Um, so continue to watch out for them. They should show out. Um, their four by 100 team and their four by 400 team, I believe, are both slated for national championships um, themselves. Uh, Florida Gator golfer Ricky Castillo um, is leading, and so are the Florida Gators men's golf team after day one of the Calusa Cup. Day two is today. Uh, it's currently under a lightning delay, so I would imagine that will finish on Tuesday. Uh, in softball news, the number seven Gators uh, beat number 17 Auburn to win the Road Series. And then in women's tennis, number 16, uh, Gators beat Vanderbilt 6-1. to one. So a lot of exciting things. We already talked about gymnastics. Men's tennis is doing really well. Uh, got a lot of fun things to watch over the next couple of months with Florida Gators athletics and potentially winning a couple national championships. Anything else that you guys have on the agenda? If not, Silk, we'll get into a Manscaped ad read and take us home with the song of the week. No, that's all I got. Whose song of the week is it? It's yours, my friend. Oh, snap. That's what it was last week. Nick tried to steal my song, bro. Was it? I thought I was. I don't know, dog. I'm on like 10 pods. I don't don't know, bro. Hmm. I feel like I choose a song like every day, man. (laughs) Nick, Nick, do you want to choose the song of the week this week? Yes. I ain't prepared. I'll get it next week. I ain't prepared. All right. Nick Nick got it. Nick sounded like he did a lot of homework for this song. I've done none. Um, I, <laughs> I was, I was, was going to go with currency just because you had, you had him on. It seemed topical. So mm. there sure. you go. I'll let you choose the, this currency. Cause I would have went with a currency song. So I'm gonna let you choose it. Uh, and, I, and I'll do mine next week. A uh, shout out to the great folks at manscape.com. Make sure you use coupon code SG 20, uh, for 20% off free shipping. Uh, it's lawnmower 4.0 season. I don't know if y'all boys still slacking, uh, but summer is abreast. I like that word, Nick. I mean, uh, Dan, you just use it. I like mm. it. Uh, summer's abreast. Uh, and if summer's abreast, you probably need to shave your nuts. Mm. Get them clean, get them smooth. Um, it's speedo season. Uh, you know, can't be going to the beach with the Harry Larry balls. Uh, so <laughs> get it right, fellas. Uh, we got the weed whacker. Uh, you Weed Whacker is not everybody's go-to thing, but um, definitely want to get it if you got AirPods, man, because, you know, uh, it's a tight fit. If you got hairy earlobes, we got a Weed Whacker for you to clear everything up. Um, also, the, the soap is the shit. Mm. So is All the shampoo. Where, uh, uh, I know it doesn't I, apply. I use, it's yeah, barely applying to me these days. but yeah. We'll get you a shampoo ad read, Dan, if, if that's what you want to get off. Um, but I only use the Manscaped body wash when I'm about to go out, man. I don't use it to get in the bed. Um, if I'm about to go out, night on the town, I was about to go to currency. I had to pack that that Manscaped 
body wash with me. You know what I'm saying? Got a little bit. It's like it's like Axe body wash. Got that perfume smell on it. Uh, great stuff. Uh, chapstick is fire. Keep your lips together. All the, the important parts um, is what Manscaped take care of. So, fellas, be sure to take care of your family uh, jewels and the rest of your body parts, man. We got the tools uh, for your parts. Coupon code SG20 for 20% off. Or 20SG. Or 20SG. Yeah, try that one. My bad. <laughs> Shout All out right, to Nick. Alan Horn, too, man, since he's yeah. scrolling down there. Home field apparel. Nick, what you listening to? Alumni Hall. Game time sidekicks. All of them. Gang, gang. <laughs> Um, all right, we're gonna go with uh, bottom of the bottle. Mm. That's a suspect. Okay. One. I'll give you that one. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. It's currency trade, it ain't legendary one. It's all right. I, I'm new, I'm new to the currency game, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, real cool vibes, man. You got it's a, it's a on, big, it's a big catalog. I tell you that he was on, a, he was on a track with Lil Wayne back in like 2013, one of the Carters, mm-hmm. maybe. He was signed right. to cash money and no limit. I think he's the okay. only guy to do that. Hmm. I think I would have uh, gone with Scotty Pippins. Just looking through my list now. But that's I'm, okay, I'm, Nick. It's your song. I'm new. It's okay. Hey, man, man, just go on a go on a on, on a crazy deep dive, man, if you got some time. Um, I, I was gonna go with Post Malone's new song. Um but I, I felt I felt the currency vibe, so it was it was a game time decision. I like it. I like. It. I ain't mad at it, man. Great, great crew, man. I enjoy being around them guys this weekend, man. My type of people. Feel me? Absolutely. Kush, Kush is big. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Kush, Kush was very big, I would imagine. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Hey, the same corner, same time, man. Huh? The Kush was large. Enormous. All right, Enormous. All right, we got, that's the end of our right. show. <laughs> oh, oh, I always have to. I always have to derail us towards our yeah, after hour yeah, two. Yeah. I, I, it gets weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. Uh, same corner, same time next week. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks, uh, Linda Teeler, and of course the goat Jeremy Foley. We'll see you boys next week. Hey, real quick. Any tally, Any any Gator fans in the Panhandle in Tallahassee? Mm. Pull up to the. Uh, we have a tailgate at at Dope for their uh, spring game. We're going to make that place smell like the projects. It's already the projects, man. But pull up in your uh, royal uh, gear, in your, in your gator gear. Come with some presidential stuff on, uh, your best cologne. I'm going to be out there. We're going to be kicking it. That's it. Perfect. Same corner, right, same time. Same corner, same time. See you boys next week. So colossal, I wanna grip her like the bottom of the bottle. Drop it down low, bring it up real slow. About to go down, make me say yo yo. Ride like a model, rolling so colossal. I wanna grip her like the bottom of the bottle. Drop it down low, bring it up real slow. About to go down, make me say yo yo. Drop it down low, bring it up slow yo. Been a minute, 
Here she go with all that, where you been in? I've been at it, trying to get it, gotta admit it, I look good with it. You would look good sitting in my car when I start the engine. Left my impression on her greater than my grand entrance. Now she wrapped up in that jet living, imagining herself in the wifey position. Naked under aprons in the kitchen, while I'm blazing something amazing, playing the next mission. She shared my dollar sign vision, and she found it in that fine print. Contract, big business, bottom line, she could get it. Let her have it, now she feel it. Like a model, bottle, Drop it down low, bring it up real slow. About to go down, make me say, oh, yo. Bottle like a model, so I wanna grip her like a bottom of the bottle. Drop it down low, bring it up real slow. About to go down, make me say, oh, yo. Drop it down low, bring it up so, yo. Bust them legs open like some scissors for me, baby She know all kind of positions I'm like, isn't she creative? She my missus to be maybe Then her shit would smell like daisy She know if it was a fifth Then we would pour some shots and take them She'll be safe Cause me and her make a real good combination Every day, she wear her birthday suit Happy belated Then she drive it down low And pick it up like elevators Oh, lost, no draws She give me top and bottom, no charge She throw it at a nigga like a snowball And I'ma give her something she could choke on That's what she got Riding like a model Rolling so colossal I wanna grip her like the bottom of the bottle Drop it down low, bring it up real slow About to go down, make me say, oh, yo Riding like a model Rolling so colossal I wanna grip her like the bottom of the bottle Drop it down low, bring it up real slow About to go down, make me say, oh, yo Drop it down low, bring it up so, yo She go with all that, where you been in? A little talking, a little dinner, and then we, she smiled when we finished. Riding like a model, yeah. rolling so colossal, yeah. I wanna grip her like the bottom da, of the da, bottle. Da, 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 da. Drop it down low, bring it up real slow, yeah. about to go down, make me say, oh yo. Riding like a model, yeah. rolling so colossal, I, I wanna grip her like the bottom of the bottle. Yeah. Drop it down low, bring it up real slow, yeah. about to go down, This that had to be the last one to get hurt.